Hey guys. Hey George, you're right, mate. Cool. I'm just gonna run and get my airpods. Sorry for eating, patrons. <laughs> like, <laughs> order a pizza at 6.30 for delivery at quarter past seven. What part of that means you can deliver it at 20 to 8? Oh, fucking hell, mate. It, it, it's... Was it through, um, like, Just Eat or anything like that? No, nah, Pizza Hut directly. Pizza Hut. Oh, Pizza Hut. Oh, well. <laughs> I've only ever ordered once from Pizza Hut um, to be delivered, and it arrived 45 minutes late, and then it was the wrong thing. Like, we just took it off of great time. Like, that is completely the wrong thing. Mm. Rang them up and told them it was the wrong thing. Uh, they then said, "Okay, we'll come pick that up, and then we'll all we'll we'll bring another one afterwards." Like, you're going to come pick it up? <laughs> like, yes, I said, you know what? Okay, we'll just have it, but can you refund our money? They did that. Well, back me back, stuck it into the pizza, which wasn't that great because someone had created your own. It was mental. Um, knock on the door, completely different delivery driver. I was like. Hello. Oh, uh, sorry, it, it's a little bit late. Um, I, I had one that was out, out, well out of the way from where I was supposed to go. I was like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, I've told them, I've told them to knock it off and to give it for free because it was my fault. I was like, all right. So they refunded our money twice, <laughs> and we got our order and somebody else's. So we had shitloads of pizza and got our, got our money back. Right. I, I didn't even know um, Pizza Hut did delivery. Yeah, man. <clears throat> okay, right. I've had the chicken wings. Now I'm going to see if they've actually given me the right pizza. <laughs> oh, well done then. They've done it. They've done it. We are good. What, what pizza have you gone for? Super Supreme, but taken off the black olives and put on Mexican fajita chicken instead. Oh, come on. Black olives. Perfect. A nice salty part of your pizza. Shut your fucking mouth, George. <laughs> <laughs> How do I sound, by the way? I'm just wondering if my, mic, if my mic is correctly linked up. Yeah, it sounds fine. Yeah, sounds good. Sweet. So, Bex isn't joining us tonight. No, uh, Mark, is that right? No, she's not. She's not She's not seen Ad Astra and she's, she's catching up on some work. I've got her... I told her she needs to pause the football. I'm going to check now at quarter to so I can watch the football afterwards. I'm going full fucking old school. I've turned off all my notification apps so I can't find out what the score oh, Christ. is. Let's wow. not even talk about football. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Let's 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 move on. <laughs> I mean, just very very quickly, is there actually something going on at Spurs, or is it just they're having a bad run? <sighs> well, th- I mean, I think there is. It's Ericsson, Alderweireld and Vertonghen in the last year of the contracts. It doesn't seem like either one of one of them wants to sign a new one. So that's three first teamers going. But for me, it, it it seems like Poch has lost interest in his own in his, his own project. It's I think he got he's got to the final and he hasn't won. 
and now he can just see different jobs in front of him and thinking, well, we can just wait and see because unlike previous seasons when we haven't won, because don't get me wrong, we haven't won any titles, we haven't won any trophies, but he's never really blamed the team and he yeah. started blaming the team quite a lot. So that worries me as, as a fan, but we just aren't playing well. I mean, we played great against Palace, but other than that, we haven't had a good performance. It's been so dry and horrible. And it's been, sorry to say, but it's kind of been like Man United to watch, you know what I mean? It's, there's not many chances being created. And it's it's hard to be a Spurs fan at the moment, I must say. Yeah, it's um, it, it it was weird that that, that there's a, a genuine feeling apparently around the club, and he, I mean he did he didn't confirm it, but he did say that if they won the European Cup, that he he could leave. And it's yeah, a little bit like that should have set off more alarm bells than it did because it's like do you know what? It, it when you get there, once you get there, it's a one-off game, and so if he was at all in his mind thinking if we win this I might I might leave now and take six months to a year out and they don't leave yeah. and he goes and it, they don't win and he goes ah oh, well I might as well stay then isn't it? It, it it feels odd if you take away the Champions League element of it 2019 has been a, an awful year for Tottenham oh yeah I mean we haven't won away from home since um, January. Yeah, which I, is in the, in the Premier League, that is, I think. I think that's you, horrendous. I think if you take the, I read a thing that said if you take just from the start of 2019 to now, if you take just those games there, um, Tottenham would be relegation. I, I, yeah, I think we. I, mean, I think actually, I think it was like. 17th or 16th year. Jesus it, it, Christ. It, yeah. If you take to just 2019, it, it, honestly, we are in such a bad realm of form. And we just need to, I don't know, it's, because I understand what Alvareld wants a big contract and a long contract, but he's 30 years old. So mm-hmm. he wants, the same as Harry Kane's on, which is what, 220 grand a year for five years. I'm sorry, but he's not really going to be in there. Now, Vertonghen wants a contract. Vertonghen's 33 um, and he wants a big contract. And Ericsson has said that he wants another challenge, which what, what I don't get is the feeling around the club is Ericsson said he was thinking about a new challenge before the Champions League final. And yeah. Potter was saying, well, he might quit if he wins. Why do that before uh, the biggest game of the club's history? It was a really odd little bit. I, I'll be honest, I... I I do think Poch has looked at it and gone, have I, have I taken this club as far as I think it, 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 that he can take it? Uh, not, even the, not, even the, the, not even the team as such. Um, and he's looking at it now going, right, which, which jobs are going to be out there? And there's, he, can't, he, won't do, he said he won't do Barcelona. No, no be would be mental because he'll be there for six months then gone. But I, I think Real Madrid is the one because obviously with with Zidane not really doing great, it's I think he's got one eye there thinking, right, 
if he gets sacked, I'm the next Real Madrid manager. Or is it, or is a new Man United manager, as you say? I think it's, I think it, it, it's the new. I think there's a, there's a looking at United. I think there. But, but the thing is, I don't know why. I mean, I get Real Madrid. I don't get United. I don't get it. Money wise, I get it. Don't get me wrong. Money wise, I get it. But club wise, it's so much more pressure. And I think we are a better team than Man United currently. So it'll be a downgrade, but hopefully being hopeful that they're going to bank him with another half a billion dollars to get the score that he wants and be Pep 2.0. Do you know what blows my mind? All this fucking talk about United ready to offer Pogba a new contract. It just... It, it, unfortunately, it, it's Woodward's, Woodward's whole thing um, is about what what can we throw money at? So it's right, Pogba, we want him to stay. It doesn't mean he'll stay, but it means that it, he might shut up for a while, is it? But that's it. It's just throwing more money at everything. And it, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't make sense rather than going right. Paul Pogba is commercially worth this much to us, but the problem is with Paul Pogba is it's the the thing United and Woodward has to and the Glazers to an extent have to get out is at the moment I think I've said it before is is they are a megastore with a football club. And they need to go back to acting like a football club that has a megastar, because it's it, it's insane the fact that they that they're now their biggest achievement in the past few years is well look at our financial results. It's like I I genuinely don't think that fans give a shit when you. I mean, I I, I get the whole giving Pogba a new contract because he is he's a commercial entity. However. It's the idea of they're giving Bialy a new contract because they don't want to lose the 30-odd million pounds that they spent on him. Because if he goes, and that's 30 million down the pan, but he, he must be on, what, 180 grand a week, if not more? And it's like, what what are you doing? You're basically giving people contracts because you don't even really need the player. Well, they don't need it, but they don't really want the player. They just don't want to lose out on the transfer fee. Yeah, yeah. I, it, uh, Football's fucked, man. Football's fucked. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, it is... Like, it is now space of shit. <laughs> I mean, if, if United lose now, uh, if United lose tonight, then, you know, I think that'll be a just another humiliation. But... We it just like if we just drop points in the next couple of games, we lose the next couple of games. I don't know how Solskjaer can stay. It, it's it, it it just the thing that fucks me off so much about it is as soon as he was announced as the permanent manager, it all went to shit. Yeah, it was literally as soon as that happened, it all went to shit. It was so weird. I I, I, it, oh, I, I don't know. It's just like. There hasn't been enough money spent on the infrastructure. Like the fucking Old Trafford is not in a great state, and it, I, it, I, for me, it's a sad state of affairs. For a lot of other people, they laugh at it, and fair enough. But, but they are even, my, I mean, look, yeah, go on, sorry. It's just like they are genuinely my boyhood club, and it 
just fucks me off that it's gone as bad as it has. It's, 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 I mean, yes, if you lose tonight, but we lost to the lowest ranked team left in the competition yesterday. And I've seen loads of people on Twitter say, ah, oh, they were playing Keynes, Tanganga was playing, Parrot was playing, Skip was playing. But the people who missed the penalties was Christian Eriksen and Lucas Mora. I'm sorry, but they're, they're although Eriksen is first team and Mora is more of a, of a squad player, but those are bona fide like first team players that, that are missing those chances. And Ali yeah. was on the pitch, Dyer was on the pitch, Davis, Walker Peters, these Mora, everybody, all, all of those were on the pitch and we still couldn't beat Colchester. Ugh. Well, that was uh, a mini episode of Football Bastards. We hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> we do need to record another one of those, by the way. Actually, yeah, we should. You're right. Maybe when we're, uh, maybe when at least two of us are feeling chipper. <laughs> right. Um. Who's um. Who's on hosting duties, Mark? I'm not sure on this one. Let me just double check. It is yourself. Well, so three one seven. Three one seven. Yeah. Becky's sounding a lot more attractive this week. <laughs> I got a bit of a cold. Oh, that's not nice. It, it, Becky is not here, but who do we have? Jordan McGraw. Jordan McGraw is coming in your ears, just like Charlie FM. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, so, episode 317 of Film Bastards. What have we got this week? So, we have got a review of Ad Astra, James Gray's new um, Brad Pitt starer. 
where the entire marketing of the film is Brad Pitt's <laughs> face is quite something. Um, you know, what a wonderful face, though. I mean, it's a wonderful face. There's also quite a lot of wonderful imagery in that film. But hey, <laughs> oh, sorry, excuse me. Um, beer. I, I've just, if anyone, a patrons will know, but I, I fucking the amount of food I just rammed down my throat in the space of about fifteen minutes then. Oh, dearie me. You did, Sorry. Not enti- you, you did not eat that entire pizza. I ate just under half of a large pizza. Jesus. I told you I was hungry. <laughs> I feel an Robins. awful lot. I, I feel an awful lot better now. Um, Right, so uh, we've got Ad Astra. We'll do some what we watched. We'll do some trailer talk. It's actually kind of um a, a normal yeah. format show in all fa- Oh, and also, sorry. Uh, we will splice in the review of Last Blood that we did in our Rambology episode. Um, the patrons got us talking about all the previous Rambo films, but, you know, it's a new release, so we'll put the Last Blood review in there as well. So Becky will be in the show in um, in spirit, if not in self right now. I um, listened to the Rambology this afternoon, and it was a treat. Oh, thank you much, George. Oh, nice one, George. That's great. And, um, you know, George pays $2 a month, which is nice. Um, also, um, for the uh, Ian's Guide to Bondage episodes, um, Rick J. Kidd, uh, frequent um, pretty much every week Twitter questioner, is going to be joining me for some of those. So um, really looking forward to that, actually. And um, if, if any other patrons are interested in joining for any of the Ian's Guide to Bondage episodes, I'd love to hear from you. Um, <clears throat> so... Film news. Anything been happening this week? I kind of feel like there has, but I can't put my I can't put my finger on it. I think what has happened. I swear there was something interesting that was breaking news on Deadline today, and is, uh, uh, is it the Jonah Hill in Batman? Thought? Uh, actually, it was that, but also something else. But yeah, so this is interesting because Jonah Hill, depending on his weight could play any one of a number of Batman villains. Yes. And that's, it's, it's almost like Matt Reeves has basically gone. What weight do you think you'll be in six months time? (laughs) And then just cast it entirely based on that. Now (laughs) They're supposed to be now. They're supposed to be shooting around the end of the year, new year. So if it's December start, he's playing the penguin. If it's a January start, He's playing the Riddler. I yeah, think I mean, Calendar I, Man. I don't think the world is ready for a Calendar Man at the moment. I think he's still got to stay within that Class A villain. But it's like one of those jokes. I can't remember. I think it was Sarah Silverman who said it about Jonah Hill was the fact that uh, Martin Scorsese asked Jonah Hill to put on weight for Wolf of Wall Street because he wanted a Jonah Hill type. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair he fucking rocks the wolf of wall street he's, he's so amazing. good in that film i honestly think he's going to be penguin though. so do i it the it, i he, he can do he can do menacing when he wants to can jonah hill um and it's like I, he can do clever as well. And obviously he's not going to be a, a physical match or anything like that. And he's not going to have like the fucking um, penguins with rockets on or any or anything like that. 
I could see him being a grounded penguin with almost like a fucked up laugh, even though Joker, apparently he his tick is his laugh or something. So then um, also he did a fucked up laugh in War Dogs, which I'll talk about later. Um, <laughs> his laugh in War Dogs is fucking great. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's, it, it, this, it's shaping up well is the Batman or whatever they're going to call it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's all down to that script, though, because I, I have faith in Matt Reeves as a director and mm. has, has his, and his vision, but the script has got to be there and he's got to be able to have his own style and not be... I mean, it's, it's like the DC films have a style guide like you do when you're writing copy and you've got to have this amount of horrible CG, this amount of colour would also be dour is all hell. Um, and I just want to see a film that completely throws that into the fire and becomes its own beast. Mark? Yeah, it, it's, it, it all depends, like you say. I, I think it's one that I'm... I'm intrigued about at the moment. I'll get more interested the more and more it comes out. I think, like George says, you have all the you know the, the casting and everything like that, and a, a decent director. But it will be when we get that first look at it where you go, right? It doesn't look like like the DC Justice League universe films. It looks like its own thing, like the Joker does. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's um. <clears throat> It's going to be really interesting because obviously now they've gone away from they they're starting to shy away from this whole DC extended universe thing, um, and it's it, it just it's so odd that you've got Aquaman and Wonder Woman who were in the Justice League and then Shazam and this Batman who weren't in the Justice League and they're still going to be like operating in in like the same kind of release schedule and it kind of it kind of makes you think whether in a few years time if they want to do another justice league type thing they'll do a fucking infinite earth bobbins kind of thing i I don't know i don't know too much about it but you know you've got wonder woman and aquaman traveling to another universe and shazam and batman are there or something like that and whoever's going to be the new superman yeah it just I could see if if the Batman's a hit, Wonder Woman 1984 is obviously going to be huge. They've got Shazam, Aquaman's huge. It's like, are they going to start thinking they're Charlie Big Bananas again? Um, <laughs> yes, they will. Well, I think, I don't know if it was, I can't remember if it was actually this show or um, Mike on Trinstruckle versus Punter, but they were talking about the fact that why doesn't DC sort of just become the guys where one-off great movies is their shtick where they don't have to care about a universe they don't have to have that pressure of thinking of an overarching story just make good individual movies because people will still go and see them that's it that, that's what they've got to do they just they, it, it's they want to chase that almighty look we want to do a 700 to 1.2 billion movie three times a year and I just I don't think that I don't think it's 
you can't. I don't think you can have both universes running concurrently with each other because then you want in six movies a year rather than three from each. It just doesn't seem to work. No, and I think it's like well, Marvel. I mean, their first billion dollar was the Avengers, wasn't it? So they mm. slowly built up to that. Yeah. They they didn't get it straight away. Where I think DC sort of want to have their cake and eat it too. That's it. They, they're thinking I, we have comic book characters. We should earn a billion. Well, no, put in the groundwork, deliver us some characters that we love, then put those characters together on screen, and we'll all go and watch it. Yep. They, but they, they want to. They want to kind of ride that that wave of of, of Marvel movies. Um, and ride that comic book wave. I can like essentially use it as a shortcut. I think. And it. it, it problem is the mistake that the, the, the wall that they've hit with it um is they haven't made as many great movies well the, the thing is and i hate to say it because i do i do like some of his films and i i respect him as a filmmaker but their reliance on Zack snyder early doors with all mm-hmm. of this which, you know, to be fair, Chris Nolan like essentially recommended him and it was like, yeah, this is a good idea. He hasn't, you know, he's got an executive producer credit on Man of Steel. I mean, it's fucking weird that Man of Steel, I want to say, has a syncope logo at the start of it. I'm it, pretty sure it does, yeah. Yeah, even though then Nolan like very quickly backed away after. Um, but that, you know, so Nolan, I trusted him and, and Snyder can be a good filmmaker. And I'm really looking forward to Army of the Dead. But they relied on him so much and he just wasn't the right fit. It just it just did not fit in the material. I like Man of Steel, but after after that, it's it's almost like what happened with um, Michael Bay with Transformers. Where the first one, you had Steven Spielberg guiding him and saying, like, right, Michael, we don't we don't need a robot with testicles, buddy. All right. Just calm it down. Let's just be let's just be a boy in his car. And then after that, Steven Spielberg just kind of like moves away. And then Michael Bay's like, I'm going to have my robot with testicles now. And it's like that with Snyder and Nolan with Man of Steel, where it's like it's quite it's respectful to the older films is Man of Steel. But then after that, you've got Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice, which is just this combination of studio wanting to set up a universe in the space of one fucking film and Zack Snyder just going all out like almost like misery porn like Batman versus Superman is fucking mental yeah and then and then it just it set the style for those films then Wonder Woman was just this fucking outlier and then you've got Justice League which again is this just compromised vision it's what what they did well those choices they made with those early dceu films were so misguided even though i think there's value in all the films i think there's value in batman versus superman larry fong's cinematography in that motherfucker is incredible but martha isn't you know (laughs) and and, the um fucking holly hunter holly hunter and she gets blown up by essentially an explosive device made out of urine. Or, like, it's seemingly made out of urine. It just, it's fucking mental. Sorry, I feel a bit ranty here. And I don't know. I mean, these big movies get these sort of characters. I mean, Francis McDormand's in Transformers movies. I mean, one of the best actresses of our generation is in the freaking Transformers movies. So is Stanley Tucci. 
Mate, Stanley Tucci. It, it, Stanley Tucci has two roles, and one of them is a drunk Merlin. <laughs> it, it, it's just bonkers. I mean, it, it's good for them because they get massive paydays, but it, it feels so out of kilter. It's like Man of Steel. Lewis Lane is goddamn Amy Adams. Like, pretty much global treasure. Amy Adams is denigrated to these freaking movies. But she has nothing to do. And it breaks my heart because apparently she really wanted to play Lois Lane. I think I, rem- I think I remember that she auditioned for Lois Lane in Superman Returns. She did indeed. You know, like she really wanted to play Lois Lane and then they, they give her those films. And I I like, I, I am a fan of Man of Steel. The world building they do on Krypton at the start of that fucking shit is yeah. awesome. And then it just, and Michael, Michael Shannon's Zod. Michael Shannon is yeah. Zod. Man in Sean, Michael Shannon, I don't know what the fuck I was trying to say there. (laughs) Michael Shannon says, Michael Shannon, he says at one point, engage the world machine. There's world machine. Michael Shannon uses the words in combination world machine. It's, it's, yeah, it's come at me, Jordan. Have you ever seen the interview where, where they ask you about, um, you know, what 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 drew him to um, the project for doing um, Man of Steel? It was money, wasn't it? It was the fact that he could actually make other independent it's, movies. Some, yeah, somebody asked him. I think it it was at Sundance in some interview thing and said, you know, what what drew you to playing Man of Steel and playing Zon and going for that? And he he, he kind of looks and he goes, well. What happened was, they offered me a lot of money. And so I said, yes. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. He went, pretty much it, really. And he, he's an old guy to interview anyway. But yeah. it was just the fact he was just very matter of fact in saying, yeah, it was the money. Have you ever seen, I mean, it's not a show that I love, but I do sometimes YouTube it, Michael Shannon's. Um, Appearance on Lip Sync Battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. good. So good. I have not seen that, but I will, I will be looking for that tonight. <laughs> I watched he does, a, he does a Pixie song and then R.E.M. That's two great songs. Oh, shit. But, but what was our original point here? I completely forgot. Jonah Hill. <laughs> Jonah Hill? <laughs> so, Jonah Hill in The Batman. Promising. What was it the is. news that you were looking for, Ian? Um... Was it Jurassic Park? Yeah, it was. Fucking, right, let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Jurassic Park was the film that made me a fucking film fan. And I, you know, nostalgia is can be pandering, but it gets you in that fucking pleasure centre in the brain. So when I wake up this morning, I'm a little bit bleary-eyed. Lottie's fucking woken me up and said, get up, daddy. And ah, it's quarter past six. Fuck you, you little dickhead. I get my phone out and I have a look around. What do I see? Goldblum, Dern, Neil. They're back. They're back. Go for the new dressing. Yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now. Colin Trevorrow is directing, which and co-wrote, which you know, okay, okay, we'll, we'll see. 
if Chris Pratt gets killed off in the opening sequence of Jurassic World 3 and then it's those three. Mm. Per chance to dream. It is, the thing is, for me, with these Jurassic Park movies, um, what I want to see is, like, have you both seen the short yet? Like no, the, no. the bridge rock or something. Does Chris Pratt get murdered in it? No. Um, but it, but it's very very good, um, and it's a story where I mean it's, I think it's like twelve minutes long even if that but it's where humans and dinosaurs are sort of coexisting in a modern society and how they're dealing with that and that's the story that I want to see I want to see the world like being ruled by dinosaurs again but in in cityscapes and i'm a apologist i like lost world um and, and that final third where you got the t-rex in the city i still adore to this day because i think it just should be brings something completely different that to that um franchise but yeah I, I would i want to see what they do with it first before i get properly into it but having those three back is a massive step in the right direction absolutely it's um and i i think this will be the end of the the jurassic world films i think uh, after this they will do more jurassic park but it, it will be something else this, with another creative team yeah, i think yeah this will be this little trilogy or yeah yeah but it's that that's really that's really encouraging jordan because I, I i haven't watched it and i, I don't really know why it's what like eight minutes long or something um it's really popular. It's, it's actually got um do you know the guy who plays oh, it's one in in the third section of moonlight um it's not the main guy but it's the cook um i've seen him in a few things oh, rolling yeah, around yeah, yeah. But, but honestly it's it's a great little short movie can't remember his name are you trying to find it am i trying to find it oh yeah sorry i just i literally just had silence <laughs> oh no 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 sorry um yeah i was trying to think of it uh, I was... no i know travante rhodes plays the main guy in the third bit but but I know the guy you're talking about. No, it, it's um, I, I, it just it gets the nostalgia pleasure centers in the brain. And I, to be fair, I think it's also a reaction to the fact that people didn't seem to like Fallen Kingdom very much. That mm-hmm. that's a film that I've watched once and I enjoyed it. But I've got a feeling if I watch it again, it's like Mark with Suicide Squad. If I watch it again, will it fall apart? It's gonna be like, oh fuck! And yeah, I've had that. I've had it on four K for a while. But... I watched it a second time, um, and it's. I think. I think we we said this when we reviewed it. It's two movies. It's mm. a Jurassic Park movie, and it becomes this weird fucking quasi gothic horror cartoon fucking thing at the end with the auction bit. Um, it's. It doesn't land everything, but I still I still had a good enough time with it, and there are some great shots in it. It just you can tell it's a bit of an it's an oddity. 
Um, but I, I still quite enjoy it, to be honest. Yeah, I, I it's I want to watch it with Donna. She hasn't seen Jurassic World or Fallen Kingdom, so I, I want to watch them with her at some point because God knows I'll be take. I will insist she comes to the cinema for this. It, it, it I don't know. It just is. It's very exciting, and just I don't know. It's weird. I'm I'm more excited about Laura Dern coming back than anything else because it feels like she'd be discerning. Yeah, I mean she got up to shaft in Jurassic Park three, didn't she? But I mean, it's almost like she came back for that just to do them a favor. It was mm. like she wasn't available or something. It was like, yeah, I'll do you a couple scenes. Um, the thing what, is, getting getting Goldblum isn't a isn't a coup. But I think Sam Neill really only leaves New Zealand if he really fucking wants to. <laughs> I just I I wonder if this is like this could be one last payday to. I don't know, put my grandkids through college or, you know, or something like that with Sam Neill. It, it, with Laura Dern, it's, I get, like, she's, like, she's quite high up in the academy. She does what she wants to do. She does prestige stuff. It, it And Sam Neill does what he wants to do as well. But I don't, I, I, I don't know. Like, Laura Dern payday, Sam Neill payday. It just it kind of feels like Sam Neill would be more the one who would go, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll have a payday. I mean, Jeff Goldblum, quite frankly, I wonder if they just said to him, look, you can have you can have a jazz song on the soundtrack, and he said, yeah, I'll turn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I mean, Sam Neill. The last thing I'm trying to think, the last thing I saw Sam Neill in, and it was actually probably Peaky Blinders. Is he? Uh, a Peaky? I need. Do I need to watch Peaky Blinders? You very much do. He's in the first two seasons. Yeah. Oh um, fuck yeah! But the people in that movie—I mean, Tom Hardy's in it. Um, Adrian Brody's in it. It's uh, yeah, no, but uh, George, you've known me for like what, like I over a decade Adrian. at this point. You know what I'm like. The thing is, watch one episode. If you don't like it, it's the same vibe. I mean, I love Peaky Blinders. I didn't watch any of the. I like that's, to. That's I like to I, wait until all the seeds, all the seasons out, and then I'll binge it. Yeah, okay. I, I did that with, with Peaky Blinders. I thought, right, I'm gonna give it what I usually do with all the TV. I'm gonna give it three episodes, and if it doesn't, if I are, if I if, if I don't give a shit about watching episode four, I don't need to waste my time with it. And with Peaky Blinders, I got about halfway through episode one and was like, I, I just don't think this is gonna be for me. It's a, and that was fine. I, I just love the vibe of the entire show. It's, I mean, again, it's like this this sort of really nice British period piece, but it's soundtracked by Nick Cave and P.J. Harvey. For me, that that's my kitty litter. Yeah, that, the thing is, everything about it, I look at it and go, like, I should really get on with this. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I, I love it, but yeah, he, he was in the first um, two seasons playing an Irishman. He plays a cop, doesn't he? Oh, wow. He does, yeah, yeah. Fair play. Um, right, so... I've already drunk two beers, so I need to get a couple more. Um, do you guys want to start talking about some trailers and whatnot, and I'll uh, I'll be back in a sec? Uh, yeah, can, certainly can, can do. do. What, what, um, what have you watched? You All right, okay. Um, shall we start with Dark Water? Have you seen Dark Water? Yes, I've seen Dark Water. It looks good. I'm going to go for a drink now. Cool. What about you, Mark? Yes, I've seen that one. Um, very interested. Yeah, it's that. I like the whole procedural um law ones like that, that that kind of film it's it, it 
he's one that can like interest you and go, right, yeah, do you know what? It's not that you just want to know what to watch the film, you want to know the story as well. And that looks like you're going to get a version of it at least, certainly with that. Absolutely. I mean, I love like an investigative drama. Um, Spotlight is exactly that. And it's the way that deals with tension, even though you know what's going to happen. I mean, I don't know much about the story within Dark Water, but it's an investigative drama where one guy's fighting the man. That's that's for me. And he's got Mark, Mark Ruffalo in that sort of a um, role, which, yeah, sign yeah. me up. The interesting bit there is he's fighting the man and he is the man as well. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a good, there's a great bit in the trailer of, so hang on a minute, you want to use everything you've learned defending these guys against them. Like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm completely down on that, but it, it could probably be another spotlight and get it maybe a bit of a Oscar buzz as yeah. well, especially, especially for Ruffalo. He does deserve an Oscar now. He's got to that part of his career where he's he's been the character actor, he's been a bit of a leading man. Now it's his time to shine. It is, yeah, he, he, he hasn't. He, he did the character actor bit. Then he, he had a couple of years being a leading man and a bit of a... a, a bit heartthrobby, and then now he's going down that... It's almost a Clooney thing. <laughs> he's doing that a it little is. bit, but on a lower scale. But doing that, um, I mean, massively mainstream. I mean, the guy's the Hulk, for Christ's sake. Yeah. And he's still doing these independent... Actually, I don't know if this is in, in Dark Waters is in, independent or not, but being a Todd Haynes film. It's... Yeah, he he has done it. I mean, I remember watching him in The Cut. Yeah, uh, in the cut, back, yeah. In, back in the day, and then watching him... Collateral, he was in wasn't he? Yeah, and in, God, Zodiac, where you could, didn't even realise it was him... Yeah, I'm all for Ruffalo getting his um his awards. Yeah. Uh, what else have you caught, George? What What did I watch? What did I watch? I uh, watched the new trailer for Knives Out, or have you spoke about that one? Uh, no, I haven't spoke about that one. No. Looks fun. It does look a lot of fun, doesn't it? It looks. I... Yeah, it look. It looks razor sharp. It looks like it is playing up to. It's audience, so and it has Chris Evans in a very smarmy role, it seems. Yeah, and the thing is, there is sort of like it's it coming out at the end of November, um, so it'll be a little bit, it'll be a little bit chilly. It'll, you'll 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 be hitting that bit where you're going, where you're beyond saying, oh, why do all Christmas stuff out? You'll be at, starting to get into Christmas mode. Of course, um, Thanksgiving, which I know we don't talk about in this country, but it, it, it's that. And you can go, right, yeah, I'm in the mood for a bit of a mystery caper where everybody just hams it up to fuck. I am, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Is, but how, here's a question. Is Daniel Craig becoming an action figure? <laughs> what, what, in terms of plasticiness? Yeah. He, oh, that's upsetting. He, he, he looks a little bit... Um, he, he does a lot. Look like, he looks so stretched. He's proving that he... That, he doesn't give a shit about looking ripped anymore. <laughs> but yeah, well, I, think, I, I just think his face, I mean, he used to have this really interesting face, but it, I don't know if it's, if it is a bit of Botox here and there, but it just looks very full. <laughs> I can see what you well, mean, yeah. What did you think of Knives Out, Ian? 
I am very much looking forward to Knives Out and the fact that people seem to be saying that it's um, it it manages to be as good uh, like it, it's as good as the trailers suggest has me very 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 excited. Cool. Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, has everyone seen the trailer for In the Tall Grass? No, I haven't. It's a so In the Tall Grass is written by um, Stephen King and uh, co-written by one of his sons, uh, Joe Hill, who doesn't go by um, King under his surname, whereas Owen King does. I am reliably informed by Becky, uh, who has read some Joe Hill stuff and read some Owen King stuff and has said Owen King has to rely on his dad's name because he's not a very good writer, whereas Joe Hill is. Um, well, yeah, uh, Joe Hill wrote Nosferatu and he wrote um, The Fireman, two good yes. books. Um, yeah, so I've read some of his stuff, I think, probably those two, um, and she's really quite good. Um, this is a Netflix film by Patrick Wilson. Um and looks actually, I, I watched it and went, do you know what? I'm bucket, I, that looks like a solid, entertaining Tuesday night, supernatural, freaky ghost film. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah, it looks, it looks like it's gonna be fun. Absolutely. Nice. I mean, anything on Netflix, I'll give a run. I'll give a run just because of the ease of it. That's it. The, the ease of it, and I, I have a feeling this is gonna be. It'll be. It won't be a, a long. Film. In the top, let's have a quick look. An hour and thirty. Brill. Yeah, fucking hell, that's great. When, when, when does it come out? Uh, it goes onto Netflix. Uh, I think it's tomorrow. The end of this <laughs> really? Yeah, I think. Christ. Uh, yeah, it's hard to keep up these. What is it? Netflix ones. Because you just drop them. That's why. It, it, I mean, it's great, but it's also sort of like. I don't know, it, try and build a little bit of buzz. I think they, they, they do with some, don't they? They don't with others. The prestige ones, probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I can't find a date for it at the moment. Uh, it's August 4th, uh, next Friday. Brilliant. Uh, um, what else have we got? Um, uh, I saw Uncut Gems. Yeah, boy. He looks fantastic. I I like the Safety Brothers a lot. My only sort of little concern about it is it's two hours, 15 minutes. (laughs) But I I was listening to a review of it today that said it's literally like the, um, the kind of like the end sequence. Well, the the sequence in the third act of Goodfellas where it's like making the dinner but dealing with all the coked up shit and the paranoia and whatnot but just for an entire film Christ that sounds fucking amazing <laughs> now, I'm up for it Sandler in another sort of straight but I mean probably a bit comedic but another straight role I'm all for yeah. It's Sandler when, he, Sandler when he looks like he's actually giving a shit and not just on holiday. Yeah. Fun. You mean, you mean <laughs> when he does have a Netflix before his name? <laughs> yeah. It's saying that though. I've not actually. Some of the Netflix ones I've not disliked. I've, I've been alright with. There's some of them terrible. 
Sandy Wexler and the fucking week of are just, just baffling that they even got made. I mean, the, the the week of is like anti-matter as a film. Like, that's... <laughs> I mean, that's an achievement to make a film like that. Yeah, to, to make a film that fucking dull. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Espe- especially when it's him and, and Chris Rock. Yeah. That, that The thing is, when you've got a film that doesn't need to be made and it's touching two hours long, is mental. I, I just, I love the fact that it's Netflix everywhere but the US. Ah, uh, is it? So yeah. Uncle James will be on Netflix. That's brilliant. Yeah, I like the the thought is that it will be December. Superb. I mean, to be honest, I can't. I cannot. Well, sorry, I can imagine Sandler getting some buzz around that as well. Yeah, for if, sure. If if they really want to push it. I don't think. Unfortunately, I think. That film kind of seems like it might be a, a a bit not Oscar enough unless he gets yeah, some yeah. unless he gets some like real heat. Um, but he could get a nomination though, eh? Well, that's it. But to be honest, maybe Netflix entire Oscar budget will be going on the Irishman. Maybe. I think that's that that's probable. I would think. Yeah. Um, what else have we got? Uh, what else we got? Anything else? Do I see anything else? Let's have a think. I don't think I have actually. Nope. No. Okay. Great. Okay. Well, fair enough. So, let's move on. Before we get into Ad Astra. Mm. Let, let me tell you about my you know I, I like to inform people when I've had a bad customer service experience yes you do <laughs> you haven't gone back to KFC have you I have not gone back to KFC I haven't bought a disguise yet um, <laughs> so but so I go into view today to watch Ad Astra um, I've taken as well to the dentist got home I could go at 20 past 12 if I managed to get back in time or half past 1 if I, if I didn't quite get back in time Got there, no problem. Was there at um, 10 past 12, easy in time. Sat in the car, read something that I was reading earlier, then went in. And they're doing some work on the view that I'm at because they're putting in those recliner chairs in uh, all the screens. Mm. So at the moment, they've got the full screen cinema, they've got one, two, three, they've only got six screens up, right? But none of that has anything to do with actually what my, my experience. So I go in. Go up to the counter, film, film starts at 20 past, but obviously you've got 20 minutes of, of adverts, etc., and, and trailers and bits. Um, go up to the counter and say, How can I get up at Astra? Yes, sir. And then he says, Oh, our car machines aren't working, so it's cash only. Like, right. Okay, I don't have any cash on. That's like, where's the cash point just around the corner? Like, okay. Right, I've got to get that. So, can you just tell me what time the, the have you got a listing for when the actual film starts uh, rather than just the trailer? Just want to see if I've got time to get there and get back. No. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, and he said, just try the machine if you want, though, because it might it might work. It wasn't working five minutes ago, so I thought, do you know what? Let's take a minute trying it. Let's give it a go. Yeah. 
to the guy who's next to the guy who's serving me, who is being a bit of a dick, to be honest. He's not saying this in a nice way or anything like that. He's been a bit of an arse. Right. The guy who's next to him is serving. He's serving these um, two um, ladies. And they've gone off and they say, oh, can I get uh, two tickets to, I think they're going to see Hustlers, and two Ice Blaster things, the ridiculous drinks that they do, frozen drinks, things with it. And then he tells them, after doing these two drinks, he says, oh, by the way, we can't take car payments, it's just cash. They're like, well, don't have any cash. And one of them says, actually, I've got a tenner. And so it's says, all right, well, it's like £18.60. Like, right, well, I'll, I'll just take the tickets then and leave the drinks. And so the women start walking over. And I said to the guy, just out of curiosity, you've already poured those, haven't you? And he's like, yeah. I said, so what are you going to do with them now? Oh, they'll go in the bin. So I turned around and sat this lady and said, excuse me, can you stop a second there? They're like, uh, yes. Are you genuinely, because your car machine doesn't work, going to throw those in the bin rather than give them to the customers that wanted them? Yes. Right. That's fucking retarded. Why don't you just give them to the customer? That's just awful customer service. Mm. Right. Well, because we've got to write them off. So, no, you just give them the customer and your manager just says, look, we had a car machine problem and writes it off. I won't do that. So we'll get him out and have him and see if he can do it. Or I won't open a bother him. So, right. So, we'll give him the fucking drinks and I'll pay for him when I get back in. And the room like, oh, it's fine. I said, no, it's a, it's a principal thing now. So I go off, get my money out, come back in, go to the counter. The same guy was serving me stood there and he's reading. Just a, a, a listing thing or something like that. And I'm still at the counter. I'm like, you all right, mate? And he goes, be a minute. <laughs> so I thought, I was like, right. Look, could you put that down, actually, serve me? Because the film is about to start. I, you know, I'm not going to watch some trails and things like that. But the film is about to start. And I'm about to go to the cash point to get money out because your tills aren't working. Or they're working now. Like, well, that's just fucking typical, isn't it? Could you put the thing down? Like, yeah, be a minute. And then he fucked off. <laughs> you live in a dystopia. I think I do. Well, in the end, what actually happened there was when he fucked off and just walked off, I looked around and thought, ah, oh, bollocks to this, and just went in. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, to be honest. Fair enough, man. So I, I couldn't deal with that. So I thought, I'm just going to go in. So anyway, that was, yeah, I have a look. Well, New York, go fuck yourself. It's really um, all right, actually, to be fair. I don't want to slag New York off. It usually is pretty good, actually. But yeah, it's, it's the first time I've been during the day and a week for a while, and that was terrible. Um, I would just like to slag off for a second the fact that those Irishman screenings don't have a single screening in the capital of Wales. You're shitting me. I literally... If I want to see it in Wales, I've got to go to Banger or Aberystwyth. Christ. I can go, and the thing is, I could go to Bristol, but that thing is over three hours long. It's on a Sunday night. I then have to drive back from Bristol. I won't be getting home till like fucking two in the morning. Yeah, it's like two weeks time, isn't it? Like it's, I'm annoyed 
I'm annoyed, but I'm hoping that when the theatrical screenings start in early November, that the art house here might actually deem to fucking show it. I'm just looking now. Do you know how much it is for a ticket? How much? Man at uh, the Everyman in York. How much? £19.90. Jesus fucking wept. Every man is expensive though. I mean, I was in Birmingham a few weeks ago. Um, I went to. I was going to go see uh, Apollo Eleven um, a couple of months ago. Yeah, and they, were, and they were about that was about seventeen quid. And I, I'm currently used to paying the whole view four ninety nine any yeah. film any time. I, I like, don't mind seventeen pounds. But if me and Bex want to go, if 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 if, if me and Bex want to go and see that, it's going to cost us forty quid to go see something. Which I hate to say it, but yes, it's going to be available for our Netflix subscription a month and a bit later, six weeks later. Mm. That's ridiculous. There's no reason why yeah. I'm not. That's the reason why I've never been to fucking every man. I mean, it looks like a nice cinema, but I've, but I've never been to one because if the prices are like that, I just can't spend that much money on a movie anymore it's okay, no, it's, beyond me. it's like for example, we said in the whatsapp yesterday i was going to buy some tickets to go see the national theater live version of fleabag yeah and i was like oh lauren you fancy go on and um, see that sunday six o'clock yeah we'll go i was like okay i'll book some tickets it was 18 pounds 60 a ticket and i was like that's the same amount as going to the theater and I'm not getting the same experience. So I was like, well, that's knocked that on the head, really. Cause, but just, I don't mind paying 11, 12 pounds. But when you're paying for near enough 40 quid for two people to go to the cinema, that's, that's not right. No, that's not right. That's not, no, I mean, I th- the thing is, I understand cinemas having to make money from like these special screenings, but. It, it uh, I don't know, like £19, not London, to go see something just because, all right, you get to see it early. I don't know. It just, and that, that maybe that's just every man's general pricing for event cinema. It just, there's something wrong about that. And it, it, where, where did you say it was that the Fleabag was playing again, George? It was just our view. Um, yeah, what the fuck? Just normal view. So you, we're used to going seeing four ninety nine film, but and I get the the NF the NT live thing is normally more expensive, but I've been to see quite a few of them. I mean, I'm going to see the the Hamlet with Benedict Cumberbatch, the Hamlet with oh, what's the lady's name? I forgot her name now. She was in okay. Shameless. She's a Northern lass. Um, Maxine. Pe- oh no, Maxine Peaks. Oh Maxine right, it was Peaks. Maxine Peaks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been to see the um, the view from a bridge, and I'm pretty sure they were all maybe like nine to twelve pounds. Now I know Fleabag is the cultural thing right now, and I do love me some Fleabag, but yeah, eighteen pounds, not gonna happen. Hmm. Ah. Uh. Anyway, Ad Astra. Yes. All right, how are you? Thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. General. This is Lieutenant General Rivas, Director of the U.S. Space Com Special Ops. Sir. Major. Adjutant General Vogel, Head Major. of Security. Ma'am. They flew all the way in from Virginia just last night just to see you. Well, thank you. 
Your uh, profile is certainly very impressive. You've done exceptionally well on all the assessment tests, basic combat, space training. We have something of a highly classified nature to show you. Major, what can you tell us about the Lima Project? First manned expedition to the outer solar system, sir. Some 29 years ago. And the commander was? It was my father, sir. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And no data was ever recovered. Deep space missions were halted after that. Well, Roy, we have something that might come as quite a shock to you. We believe your father is still alive near Neptune. It was directed by James Gray and stars Brad Pitt. Uh, Donald Sutherland, Tommy Lee Jones, Ruth Nager, and Liv Tyler, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Ad Astra uh, is uh, about a um, kind of like a military man slash spaceman played by Brad Pitt, who is uh, given a mission by John Ortiz. Uh, I love John Ortiz. It's great seeing him turn up and stuff, even if it's Alien versus Predator Requiem. But anyway, um, basically, uh, his father was on a mission to try and find extraterrestrial life, kind of disappeared around Neptune. Now, surges are coming from the space station, which seemed uh, which could extinguish all human life. And Roy, played by Brad Pitt, has to uh, try and find his father um ostensibly to try and convince him to stop doing the surges uh but then it, it turns into something more than that it is a tale of fathers sons and space monkeys jordan what did you think about astra i loved Ad astra i am a huge fan of james gray um, and i think this kind of has quite a lot of similarities in, in, in themes to the Lost City of Z, especially in that yeah. heart of darkness sense of, of the, the, the storyline and of the plot. But what I think Ad Astra does so well, um, because James Gray is not really a household name. He is in some countries, but not really with Americans or British um, people. But he is a very, very meticulous, very particular filmmaker. He makes really, really classy movie now, classy movies now. And what he does really well in Adraster is tell this really personal story, but he puts it against a huge scale. Like some of the imagery in this movie is it's unreal. It, it, it's it's jaw to the floor stuff um some of the colors and it's it's weird because it's like a terence malick movie and i hate using that sort of like malick-esque label but it's like if malick was to do 2001 in a way um because you do get that sort of corporate style of it and the sci-fi being the normal it's set in the near future but you have sort of commercial trips to the moon people don't really think of space travel as that that big of a thing nowadays 
Um, but yeah, it's it's that skill that got me, and some of the imagery is there, and it does sort of it. You can compare it to people like Nolan and um, I'm trying to think of some other filmmakers that have done some really good, interesting things in space in the last few years. But yeah, it's it's a very interesting movie. It is baffling that it's got as much advertisement as it does because it's not the movie it's selling. Um, I did have a few walkouts of my screening because Christ, it is it's not a space action movie. It's very much an introverted film about, as Ian said, fathers and sons, about looking into the face of um, your own failings, but maybe how you're becoming your father, but also you've got like religious undertones in there as well. It's it's a film that I think will get picked apart for years to come. Um, but if you don't like slow, intentionally slow drama, then it's really not for you. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously it was um, greenlit when Fox was still Fox, and it had a series of delays and whatnot, and then Disney had to market it. And you know, fair play, it, it, it's a good marketing campaign, and it opened a bit better than they were expecting in the US, but it does kind of feel like the drop off is going to be quite fast. There are a few, a few guys sat behind me who were very unhappy about it when the, the closing credits were, were going. Um, yeah. The fact is this cost over, it feels like Disney or whoever uh, financed it, give James grow 80 million pounds, $80 million. I said, go make a movie. And, oh, it's, it's, a, it's a sci-fi epic with Brad Pitt. Yeah, just go along. And when they first that they was, got the first screen, and it was sort of like you've made this movie. That was Christ. literally uh, what 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 happened. Pitt, Pitt, Pitt essentially sold it by a plan B to what is it? As he's going to make a space movie similar to things like Gravity and um, and uh, Interstellar and things like that. Uh, and James Gray was going to direct it, and then literally all Fox saying was, "Right, but you're going to be starring in it." Yes, I am. Yes, right, fine, and that's why that. Uh, and then he basically hoodwinked them into giving him upwards of nearly a hundred million, so James Gray could make this movie. Yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those I think I got has got through the cracks. Yeah, and I'm absolutely. glad it has. I'm very very glad it has because it is. It's a very interesting movie. It's got one of Pitt's. I'd probably say one of Pitt's best performances, but it's very understated. It's very much in his eyes, and I, I like that about it. It's all the eyes. All, like, it, and that's not a criticism. So much of it is in his fucking eyes. It's like Rambo, but it's Brad yeah. Pitt. But, uh, Mark, thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, like George says, I'm a, I'm, I've been a big um, James Gray fan since, well going back since uh, to Little Odessa when I rented that out in the mid-90s uh, I was a big fan of that and he's not made a lot of movies but I I, I do think that uh, Lost City Z was, was criminally underseen I thought it was an absolutely fantastic movie um, and he's like Judge he's a very he's a meticulous and very sort of classy director I actually I remember listening to an interview with him that he did uh, on the British Phyllis podcast a few years ago Um where, it, where I'll be honest, he came across as very bitter um, 
in it. He's very interesting. Very, he's a very intellectual guy, but he basically admitted that he he could have made a lot more movies, but he's too he's too much of a control freak and will only make the, make a movie if he's going to be able to make the movie he wants to make. And he kind of he seems to be at war with himself with that. So it, it, it's amazing that that this guy has been given a huge star and a big budget. You know, a bigger budget than he's ever been given, and a bigger budget than he ever will ever be given again. Um, Absolutely, after these people will be like, yeah. "Yeah, we're not going to give you it's, that much money again." That's it. It, it. It's it's not the movie it sets up for the trailer. It's not a it's not an adventure film. It's not a space adventure film. Um, it is a very slow and a very pensive film um, that is incredibly moody and melodic uh, about it. It, I, 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 I thought it wasn't it it wasn't malignant again, same as you, Drop Hate using that phrase, but it did remind me of the uh, the floatiness of something like Tree of Life. I also got uh, if I'm going to go fucking wine tasting on it. I also got some whiffs of uh, Apocalypse Now within that as well. Absolutely, oh, yeah. I mean, it's Hearts of Darkness, isn't it? That's it. Is. it but it, there was very much that. I think from from when he um, goes into the mission thing and he's told, right, you're not here to do a debriefing on this, you're here to do a mission. From there, up until the bit where he gets to the, uh, the, the full base of the moon there, I'm like, I was watching going, right. So it's apocalypse space. This is really fucking cool. I'm really, really digging this. Um, it's it's beautifully shot. It's quite my height, I believe. It is, yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, who is just a phenomenal, um, he's a phenomenal cinematographer. Um, I'm going to check. Was this shot on film? Oh, I am not sure. Um, I, I want to say it was. I would feel this was shot on film. It looks like it was shot on film. Yeah, it's shot on film. Um, I, yeah. I will say just one thing: the 2K um, DCP of it does it a disservice because I watched it fairly close to the screen and the film grain just looked like digital noise and that was upsetting. Uh, I I, I, I think it it looks, I was going to say, it it looks incredible in terms of the the scene composition and everything like that. Um, I was, it didn't, it didn't connect with me uh, as much as it seems to have connected with some other people. But I really... I really enjoyed watching it, um, and it so actually it didn't it didn't hit me, but I did really sort of I, I I did really enjoy my time with it. Um, there was only one bit, one small section where I was a bit like, I want you to get on now. You're starting to fucking slow down too much, move on a little bit. But it was it it, it really is a fantastic movie, and it's it's really really cinematic. And again, sounds really wanky, but James Gray is a bit of a wanky filmmaker. Um, oh yeah, and it, it is—it's really cinematic and it's rich and it's fantastic. And I was the only couple of complaints I have is 
Ruth Negus should always have more to do because she's brilliant. Um, and the bit where he was travelling in solitude on his own for me went on for a little bit too long. See, that's it. For, uh, when, when I, I mean, I put this on Letterbox right after seeing it. And I, I mean, to be honest, I give it five stars, but I've actually changed it to four and a half now. I, I, I just did think exactly that... the same, George. Really? I, yeah. I, I give it four and a half of that. Uh... Um. So yeah, I think I just there, there is it's it's not a perfect movie. It has a few little niggles where it stops, um, when, when it shouldn't. But yeah, it, I think it, it's. Well, it, I've just said my piece. It's well worth a watch. This this is the thing that annoys me about the film in a way, is that I want to say this is the best film of the year. Mm. I want to say that. I want it, But there's just a cup. The, the space monkey bit, I just, it felt like, okay, we need to have an action sequence because there hasn't been an action sequence in a while. There's not going to be an action sequence for a good long while. I mean, to be fair, for the rest of the... No, no, there's one action sequence after it where, um, like, the zero-G bit where it's, like, shooting up the... Yeah, yeah. the fighting. Yeah, and the music goes all mad for a couple of minutes. Um, But you've got that sequence, and it's like, okay, fair enough, they're testing on animals in space that's shit cool i'm not entirely sure what that was supposed to actually say but i will say it'll probably be one of the most surprising moments of of cinema in 2019 for me where you got that shot of the guy and he's like calling out his name and i was like what the fuck is going to happen here yeah Yeah. and then it's like right space baboon didn't see that coming yeah when you can see him from the back and you go in What's happened here? As yeah. He, as he touched something, he's been like shot. As he, because there's no, there's nobody else around. All the rest of the crew have disappeared. So you're thinking, shit, is this about to go like supernatural on me? What's going on? And then yeah, and then it comes out. You go, wait, there's a baboon eating his face. Yes, that would have been. I could have sat here for a long time and wouldn't have <laughs> eating face. But yeah, there there is a few things there that I feel added in. I mean, I don't want to take any more ta- any of your time here, but it's sort of like to, to, to kill that captain. It felt like the only reason to do that was to have a scene later on where Brad Pitt has to take controls over um, the the second captain or mm-hmm. whatever you call it, um, and that even that didn't really have much. Uh, follow through which is why i think i've took it down to a four and a half instead of a five yeah i mean that's it and i mean i kind of thought the donald sutherland character was a little bit we need to have someone for him to bounce off against and motivate the plot a little bit like if if donald sutherland's character turned out to be a fucking figment of his imagination i wouldn't have been surprised quite frankly it's Mm. It's one of those. It's lovely to see Donald Sutherland in in something big, but it I don't know. It it just felt like they had to put another character in there with him because otherwise, it's pretty much voiceover or the conversation with Ruth Nager. And apart from that, it's like one or two word bits of dialogue to everybody else. But saying all that, that's. 
those are kind of the only negative things I have to say about the film. It, I love me a bit of fucking space sci-fi and I love me a bit of fucking emotional hand wringing. And you put those two things together and it's basically Ian Nip. So, yeah. you know, big fucking fan of this film. The score, Matt Richter and Lorne Balfe's score, bloody hell, wow. The cinematography by uh, from Voigt van Hoytema. Uh, Sorry, wow, I'm having some difficulties tonight. Just stunning. Brad Pitt, brilliant. That fucking opening sequence... Yeah. Where like where he's repairing that thing and then like the camera kind of like looks down on the earth. Jesus wept. And then when that all just goes and he's just like he's like lost consciousness and like tumbling through the fucking sky and then kind of does his par does his parachute. It's like it's fucking it, it's something else. It it's it's something else. Um I, I also like the fact that they, they they managed to drop in almost teetering on like a, a Brazil level of um, bureaucracy with the constant psychological evaluations thing there. I thought that was a nice. Um, I wasn't. I kind of wasn't expecting all that to come into it as much, but it was nice the fact that it continued pretty much throughout it all with the obsession with his uh his heart rate and things like that yeah i do those questions and i'm glad it was it, it, i was talking to becky about and i was saying about this and she went what like a voice contest and what is it I said no it's not like that it's, it's not a set amount of questions it's it, it, it they just ask him a question and then he answers it and then clearly either it goes through a computer or somebody decides yeah yeah he's all right or no because there's one bit where he gives like a bit of an answer where you're thinking well, this one he hasn't fucking passed, and it goes, yeah, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sort of it, it, um, reminded me of the 2049 stuff with when um, Gosling has to repeat words, um, but you're putting a bit more of a personal personal take on it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, one, one thing I will ask as well, like the, the company being evil or whatever it was the thing is i watched this really 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 hungover i won't lie like so I, it was i was almost like shit should i actually see this tonight because i don't know whether i'm in the right fucking frame of mind so maybe i wasn't getting something but like when it was like oh shit the company's just trying to kill my dad or whatever and it's i i, I didn't quite get the thread there like were they bad or were i mean yes okay they were maybe trying to cover shit up but yeah was that that was that the extent of it i, don't, I, don't I think, think I th- yeah i think i think they were trying to cover his um i mean genocide up really the fact that um a company man who was so for their cause went a little bit curt okay all right fine it's like a PR thing, really. Yeah, so they, they, they shot him out there to record the message, like, just on the off chance that he was actually all right and it's been a misunderstanding or something. Then they hear that message that we don't hear. And then it's like, oh, shit, he's gone off the reservation. We need to get him. Yeah. Oh, yes. 
Okay. All right. Fine. Fine. And how good is Tommy Lee Jones? I know. I know it's a very short role, but yeah. there's something about that man. I mean, I do love me some Tommy Lee Jones, but it's it's his speech pattern that I, gets me so much. Yeah, I, I like the fact that he doesn't. You know, he's supposed to have been essentially on his own in that. What is it? For thirty years, but it, it, Tommy Lee Jones doesn't give like any ticks or anything like that. He's just. He's clearly just a bit broken and a bit cracked. Uh, but he clearly was broken, cracked beforehand. And then yeah. you've got a bit of a... You've got... The, the scene between Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones, I, I think he's... The, the first scene you get with him, I think he's fantastic. I think it's well acted from both sides, where you've... Tommy Jones basically says, look, there was nothing down there for me. I never cared for you or your mother. Yeah. Like, uh, a snarling thing. It's just and, and Brad Pitt kind of goes, yeah, no, bye, I knew. And it, it's yeah. uh, it, it's it's a really, really, like you say, great um, short little performance. But then I think there's there's a couple of those. I think Donald Sutherland's very good when he's in it, and Ruth Nega's great when she's in it uh, as well. Um, yeah, one thing I think about Donald Sutherland is. It's either he is actually really nearly dying, or he is a very good actor. Because the guy's like what eighty whatever years old, and he 84. looked like he, he looked like he was he, close to death. He was photoed at a film festival walking his dog the other day, and he looked good. quite happy. I think he's all right. Good, good, good. It it's kind of weird. Like I, I kind of feel like. I've already kind of said my piece on it. It just, it's a, it's a really lovely film. And what it's good. Mm. Can I show one other thing? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad it was that film and not the film in the trailer. Although I'd have been happy with the film in the trailer. I'm, I, I enjoyed and got a lot more out of the film that I watched. And I am very, very much looking forward to rewatching it again. I, I completely agree. I mean, I went into there and I did not expect Apocalypse Now in space. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I was, I was there going. I, the okay. weird thing was, because um, me and Becky have adopted a new thing where we sit at the front, um, because it, you get less bothered. Um, and again, when I went in, I just sat down at the back because there was a few people in, but not loads. There was a few people in, and the, the, the title card was coming up for the BBFC, and I thought, I don't want to. I don't want to bother anybody. And then there was a gentleman to the left of me on another row who was eating a steak bake and making a lot of noise. Um, and there was a couple in front of me, a few sort of rows in front, who were, who were kind of like talking to each other, but not, like, not loud enough that you could hear, but you could hear they were talking. I thought, straight away, I thought, right, I need to move because this is going to be good. So I need to move so I can't, none of this is in front of me, it's all behind me. And move. Then I instantly, five minutes later, I was like, right, yes, I've made the right decision. And I have a feeling that this is going to be great. Nice. Yeah. There's a nice. couple of things I'd like to add. There's, there's two sequences. The the Moon Rover sequence. Like, I have no idea how they shot that. The landscape and the environment that they have, like... It looks too real to be CG, but I I just I can't understand myself the logistics of it 
because it looks it, it, it looks <laughs> real it, it, it's it's kind of weird um and then it's all all the stuff with pit when he's sort of spacewalking around neptune the blue um filter on that is lovely to see oh yeah man Sorry, it, it, I, I was agreeing. Yeah. Sorry, George, go on. No, yeah, no, no, no. Carry, I, I say carry on, but yeah, it's it, it's it's that imagery. I know we've seen it before in Sunshine Interstellar, but having the, the that scale of this tiny little object be in front of a huge, huge planet, um, and I, a, a living planet as well, when you can see the gas moving and things like that, it's. That's what cinema is made for. That's what modern cinema is made for because you can do whatever you want. And to give us those those images that I mean, I, I'm still thinking about those now. And it's I can't wait to watch it again at home and have it on my well when I do get a 4K TV. I'm just thinking if I had Astra and Sunshine had a baby, I would fuck that baby. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's all I got. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's, just... that, I, 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 that's all you need. Absolutely. But yeah, so the thing is, I'm like you, Mark. I'm glad this was the movie because I think it's going to live a hell of a lot longer being what it is than if it was the film sold to us. Yeah, that's a that's a lovely fucking statement, that George. You're a soulful I, I... man, Jordan McGrath. I've always thought that. You've 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 got some fucking yeah you've got some soul. I do try sometimes. Yeah, yeah. She's a lucky lady, is Lauren. Right. Well, I think we're all definitely not shit. Well, that made him feel uncomfortable. Uh, definitely not shit from all of us. I think. Yeah, uh, our soul was definitely not shit. Eighty percent. And touching cloth, twenty percent. 20%, that 20% touching cloth is entirely the space monkey. Yeah, it is. It, it, it literally, I think that was the space monkey. Otherwise <laughs> like, known as Dan Orty. It, it was like, I was I was in a movie, but I did get killed, so I'm touching cloth on it. Nice, nice, nice. The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the Jstrom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. You like the 1980s, don't you? Of course you do. We all do. But have you ever wondered why that decade was the way it was? Have you ever wished there was somewhere you could go to get past the usual day-glow sentimentality? To try and understand 1980s pop culture in a more social, political and historical context? Because if so, 
It sounds to me like you're ready to go beyond the aesthetics, beyond the nostalgia. Welcome to Beyond the Neon. Beyond the Neon is the podcast that dares to pull over the Testarossa, eject the Wham cassette, and take off the Wayfarers. If you're looking for retro reviews of Back to the Future, The Goonies, or John Hughes movies, you will not find find that here. If you're looking for top 10 lists of A-Team episodes, Nintendo games, or Stranger Things references, you will will not not find find that that here. If you're looking for long, boring introductions, Squarespace ads, or Patreon begging, you you will will not not find find that that here. here. Because Beyond the Neon, we do things a little differently. In each documentary-style episode, I look at one area of 1980s popular culture and break it right down. And each episode features academic insight, guest contributions and interviews, as well as clips plumbed from the depths of the 1980s cultural void. Well, YouTube, mainly YouTube. To help illustrate the wonderful, perplexing, terrifying, joyous and utterly thrilling world of 1980s pop culture. Beyond the Neon might not be as regular as other 1980s podcasts, but that's because Beyond the Neon isn't like other 1980s podcasts. Subscribe to the show today and check out all past episodes by visiting beyondtheneon.co.uk. Rambo Last Blood is directed by Adrian Grunberg and stars Stallone, uh, Adriana Barazza, um, uh, some others. I didn't get the thing up quickly enough. Paz Vega. Uh, Paz, oh, Paz Vega. Yep, yep, yep. No, that'll do. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Rambo has been living on a ranch with um, kind of an adopted family. Like I read one review that said that a- a- Adriana Barazza was playing his girlfriend. It was like, I don't think so. They're just friends, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Um, he's got that. He's got a, a niece in uh, quote marks who um, is trying to find her dad. And uh, down in Mexico, uh, she goes to Mexico and uh, essentially gets sold into kind of um, sex trafficking. And uh, Rambo must travel to Mexico to stop it. So um, this film has been getting a lot of shit on Twitter. Um, (laughs) Yeah, um, an awful lot of kind of like make America great again kind of comments and I I, I, in fairness I think there are points where you can see you can see that the the wall that he passes through is very easy to get through Um, and he literally says Mexico why would you want to go down there Um, but but he, he means specifically to go see her dad, though. Yeah. I uh, well. Yeah, it is. It is that. All right. Fair enough. Like <laughs> it, it, you, you could see how people could read it some it, in another way. I think. Yeah, yeah if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, okay, Mark, go on, mate. Go, go. Can I ask a question? Yeah. Do Mexican cartels exist? <laughs> yeah. Do Mexican right? right. Can I ask another question? Go on. Right. <laughs> do a lot of people try and exit Mexico to go and find, to quote, actual Mexicans, a better life in America? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So you go to a travel agent, right? Anybody with a travel agent tomorrow? I've heard this. I'm going to go chop potatoes for a right? second. Right. <laughs> travel agent tomorrow. 
and try and book a hotel, try and book a holiday in Mexico, right? You can do it. They will send you to very specific parts of Mexico, right? Mexico has an incredibly high murder rate. It has an incredibly high kidnapping rate. The majority of those kidnappings are for sex trafficking. It's an unfortunate thing that happens. I don't think there's anything in this film that puts John Rambo as being completely against the country of Mexico (laughs) at all. It's the worst fucking reaching. I feel like anyone getting offended by this film saying that cartels are bad, it's like, well, yeah. Well, I was saying to you, three months ago in Juarez, the cartels... um, murdered 12 people one of the cartels in in Paris murdered 12 people and what they did was they hung them off a bridge with their heads cut off hung them by their left foot with their heads in a bag attached to them do you know the reason why they did this because four people were going to give evidence against said cartel do you know why they killed the other eight people? Because Damn they it. had the same name as the other four people. Oh, shit. And they weren't entirely sure if they got the right people. So, so killed everyone with the same name. So they killed everybody they could find that lived around the same regions with that name. These people were hung up on that, not overnight, during broad daylight. Right? I'm not saying that this is what is it, that this is a common occurrence in Mexico, but Mexico has a lot of bad dickheads. The problem is here is people are obsessed at the moment with ascribing a certain level of politics to everything. Right. Everything thing has to be. It's either left wing or right wing. And the problem is... There's no, if you do something now, so we're not allowed to, here's an example. Sicario does exactly the same thing about Mexico, but it's directed by Dennis Villeneuve and shot by Roger Deakins, so everyone fucking loves it. But to be fair, one of the protagonists was, like, had a very, very close connection to the cartel, to the, like, the cartels and whatnot. It's, Okay, let's let you still want the characters, isn't it? They still they still put that across that Mexico is full of fucking cartels and drug runners. Fair. I mean, let's let's talk about the film itself. Um, I thought it the the budget didn't meet what I think they were trying to go for. Um. I mean, I don't know what the budget was. Fifty uh, um, million. million. Yeah. You see, it's like I, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what they spent fifty million on. Uh, uh, I, I, I must admit, I thought, it, I, I, I thought it was closer to a thirty million budget film. I would have gone twenty, like, and with Stallone maybe taking a, a good chunk of that. It, it's the thing is, it's I think fairly small yeah. scale. I think 50 million includes the fact that this has been an ongoing thing 
for about the past 10 years nearly. So I, yeah. I, I think they're probably throwing in a lot of write-offs into that. Okay, yeah, and like the rejected screenplays that had to be yeah. paid for and shit. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Like, I think the end action sequence is well handled and rough as fuck. Um, but it, I don't think it quite has the visceral, like, fucking hell of Rambo. No, um, it, it, yeah, I, I can I can see your point. The, the, I'll, make, I'll make a point about, about that after it. I think you'll agree with. I think it's the worst looking of them. I, I don't think it's shot particularly well. Um, and also... There's an argument that could be made that Rambo kind of got his knees killed by not taking her to a fucking hospital. That bothered me quite a bit, actually. But um, I think he wanted to get the fuck out of Mexico quite. I think, I, yeah, I think he wanted to get the fuck out of Mexico as well. But you know, I'm sure there are some Mexican hospitals that would hopefully be all right. But I do take your point that he needs he needed to get the fuck out before anyone started chasing him. Yeah. It it just yeah I don't know it's yeah, and I can, also I, I, can, I, can, I can see your, your point. I think, but I think he is he, he, should he take a hospital possibly. But I think he's thinking. I don't think he thinks she, she's as fucking close to death as she is. No, fair enough. I it's for me. I it it felt a little bit retready. I don't know why this movie had to be made. Like I get the sense. At least with one, two, and four, that Stallone had a point that he was trying to say. There was a, like something that he was trying to highlight. With this, if it's a continuation of the world is fucked, then fair enough. But I just this this film being the ending of the Rambo series, and maybe it won't be, considering at the end of the fucking montage sequence, at the end you see him riding off on a horse. Um, I just, I, I, I didn't, I didn't hate the film because I, I enjoy spending time with John Rambo. And like I say, the action sequence at the end is well, is well handled, but it, it just, it, this doesn't feel like the send off I want for this character, but I, I'm intrigued to see what you guys think. Um, Becky, what, what, where are you at with it? Um, I, I really, really enjoyed it to be, okay. to be fair. Um, as a, as an, on a character level, obviously he's a little bit more chatty in this one than he is in any of the others. He's not quite as stoic until he's not around his family anymore. When he's with his niece and when he's with um, his friend, um, as it described her on Wikipedia, um, who clearly is someone that's been around the family for a very long time. Yeah, she's been around since before he came back. Yeah. Um, he's, he, he's verbal with them in the same way as he is with Troutman. He's more, he's he's chatty with them, but then when he's just with the bad guys, he's really not. Like, he he goes back to being kind of stoic Rambo-y. He doesn't say much to them. No, no, he's he's quite, yeah. Um, So, like, on a character level, you've got, he's been living back at home for, what, 11 years? Yeah. He's he's not going to be the same guy that you see at the end of Rambo. He is going to have settled a bit. He is going to be a bit more... Mellow. Yeah, and, you know, well, but then he says to her... I've not changed. I'm just working really hard to keep a lid on it. Her dying pops that fucking lid. And it's it's like you kind of get the feeling that 
all this kind of stuff, everything that you've seen in all the other movies feeds into his reaction to it. His probably overreaction to it, but it's 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 a revenge thing in this case. It's not oh some bad dudes are doing something to someone he doesn't really know. It's his niece mm. they've killed. They've kidnapped, drugged, raped, carved her up, and then killed her. I mean, I feel like I'd probably go a little bit a bit wrong if that happened to say Isabel. You know, it's his 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 reaction is not going to be the same as it is in any of the other ones, and it's um, it, you know, it's very understandable. Um, again, but part of these movies is the violence. The violence is good in this movie. It's it there's some there's some good original stuff, and I said to you and I when when we got out, him booby trapping all the um tunnels and stuff like that. That is just the skills he has that you see in First Blood taken to the nth degree because he has the time and the resources to do it more. Mm. You know, he he's planning to lure them onto his ground, whereas... In, oh, you, in, you, he, he's, he's getting them to his playground. Whereas in the woods in First Blood, he just has to work with what's around and he has to do it on the fly. He's got time to plan this revenge. And... Fucking good. The bit it's, where he sees the guy as well, and he, and he could have killed him, like the main guy. He sees him, mm. he could have killed him, and he kind of sighs and turns away because he wants him to see all his other men fucking dead first. It, 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 it's military precision. Mm. I think the phrase he'd use is what he does. Oh, double shake of the face. But, but I, I, I will say, well, just another thing that bothered me, and, and I, I'll be honest, felt un Rambo to me. What was his plan originally when he was following that guy? And then he literally doesn't say anything, then just gets the shit kicked out. Of him. I, I, I think I think his plan there was he thought he thought he could bargain to get her back. I think he thought that he was going to lead lead him to where they were. Yeah, I don't, as I don't, well instead of just to a fucking rooftop. I don't think he expected to get. Yeah, I think I, I think you know what? How he actually gets her back. I think that's what he thinks is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 it is, is that. And that's when I'll come to it. It is... The film is a little bit... is messy. There's no getting away from it. it, it it's it's messy to, to a what is that. I think it's... I think there's maybe... I think there's a little bit of sense of Stallone wants I think he knows what he wants to do I think it might have been a better film had Stallone made it directed it yeah mm. sure, sure yeah, yeah. Um, and that's nothing against Adrian Grunberg but I, I, he, I don't think he's a good enough director whereas I always think that Stallone is kind of underrated as an action director um, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does going forward with his next film Um but I think this was—I think this one might have been a debut film for uh, what is it? No, he did, he did get the Green Go. Get the Green Go, which actually is quite a good film. Actually, I quite enjoyed Get the Green Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it is a bit messy. Apparently, already there is a, there is going to be um, an extended cut that readjusts the, the opening a little bit, um, so that it, it adapts the first act a little bit. Apparently, uh, is out there. The, 
from what reading about it, Stallone preferred that cut, <laughs> but it hit the cut that got released. Um, the yeah, yeah. the bit when it essentially becomes a horror film, a torture porn film, when he loads the one with his what is it? I was saying to Bex, if if that if that movie there, that short half an hour movie of him just fucking killing people in very brutal ways, played at something like Fright Fest, it would be rapturous laughter and applause. Because there's some great kills in it. Oh, I love mm-hmm. the bit in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's all a bit mad. And I think, I think you said this, Ian, when you were, uh, when you put out a little review of it. I enjoyed spending time with Rambo mm. more than I enjoyed the film. Yeah. yeah. Is it, it, what I would say there. Um, I, in a way, hope we do get another one to round off the character better. But in a way, I also hope we don't because I think the montage at the end is really quite good. Mm. Um, Stallone has said he's not done with Rambo, but he might be done with playing Rambo. He might get that prequel. Stallone is talking about doing a prequel nice. that is that he will write and direct, but will not be in. Mm. Um, it's I I I I I strongly disagree with with the whole. Um, politics have, have been thrown at it. No, he clearly doesn't hate Mexicans. I, He's I, got I, a Mexican living lady and his niece is half Mexican. Yeah, I, I do. I think it's... I think for some reason these movies are touch papers yeah. for for people to, to try and... What is it? I've been... I'll be honest, I, I, I've, I've bitten my tongue an awful lot when seeing people talk about on on social media because there seems to be this revelant glee that people have in not with liking in not liking it. it. Yeah, and I, yeah. I have always claimed I do not understand or fathom the idea of going to see a movie wanting to hate wanting it. to not like it. Mm. It makes no sense. It's like it, it, it'd be like so here's what it's like, right? Let's say Ian, we come to Cardiff, right? And we, you're away, and so we can't see you, unfortunately. And we go to a restaurant, and it's shit. And we say to you, we went to this restaurant, and it was shit. The service was crap. The food was terrible. It made us ill. It was terrible. Would you then want to go to that restaurant to experience how terrible it was? That's a fair point. So I, I don't get And then people, it's part of this people enjoying not liking a fucking movie. It baffles me. It honestly does. I, I do not understand it. I said to you one of X uh, earlier, it is, I don't know, because I don't listen to Wittertainment anymore, because I just don't have room for it in my podcasting thing, even though I did enjoy listening to it. But fans of it wore me out. I don't know when Mark Commode has liked a movie. Never find out. If I log on to Twitter on a Friday night, I know if he's hated a movie yeah. because people will fucking retweet the shit mm. out of the review of him disliking something. The problem is, it's it's the times that we live in. I don't in. know how to respond to that. I don't either, Siri. <laughs> the, the, the problem is, at the moment, if you if you make a film about bad Mexicans, you're instantly saying, 
all Mexicans are bad. You, 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 you're doing a MAGA hat and listening to the latest yeah, album. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's there's bad Americans in First Blood. They're, mm. they're, they're, they're bad people. Yeah, there's bad Americans, there's bad Americans in First Blood. There's bad, there's bad Americans, Americans in, in, in Rambo in, First Blood Part 2. Yeah, and bad Russians. Bad Russians. And bad Vietnamese. In 3. There's bad Russians and bad... Oh, it's just Russians, isn't it? It's just Russians in that one. Um, there's bad Burmese people. Malamars. Malamian. Malamian? Yeah. <laughs> in part four. You know, they're not saying all these people are bad. You know, there's, it, it, it shows bad Mexicans. It shows the worst of it. People in cartels are bad. It also shows good Mexicans. The lady that helps him, the journalist. You know, she's a victim of other bad Mexicans whilst also being Mexican. His niece is half Mexican. Her dad's a dickhead. He's bad Mexican. She's the victim of bad Mexicans. What we're saying is, Mexican women, good. Mexican men, bad dickheads. No, I can't. I'm just saying, I'm saying... You're being reductive. It, I'm being reductive, no, I am. But I am saying, I, I am also saying, look, if you wanted to find, if you wanted to see that, I could see how you could see it. All I'm trying to say is they they are the chosen antagonist in this film. Nobody at the time was saying, oh, fucking Sylvester Stallone hates all Vietnamese people, thinks they're all bad dickheads. Were they? It was these particular Vietnamese people were bad Vietnamese people. But because of the times that we live in now, especially with Mexicans, if it had been about... Canadians. Something else, Canadians. Um... It wouldn't. It wouldn't have had the same reaction. It's because the 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 relationship between America and Mexico is 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 strained at the moment, and it's because of a certain maga hat wearing dickweed c word that that happens to live in a very big white house. Um, but it's you know he's not saying that. There's good Mexicans in this, and people have just chosen to go. Ah, oh, look, there's a bad Mexican. So they're they saying they're all bad. Oh, Rambo's a bad right winger. You know, it, it, it's just stupid to me. It, it's baffling to me that that people have taken that that particular message from it. It's not. It's saying cartels are bad. Cartels are bad. This is not news. No, it's not. It's maybe highlighting to people that aren't necessarily aware of it how bad, and some people. Are, Probably don't know an awful lot about cartels. I don't know an awful lot about cartels. I just know they exist and they're, they're baddies. But, you know... It, I don't sleep a lot, so I read a lot. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like some people maybe aren't aware of what a cartel is. No, and, you know, fine. Maybe it's news to them. But I, 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 I honestly don't get it. I don't get the backlash at all. It's, it feels like a film from a different time. Yeah, it, no, it, I, I absolutely agree with that. It does. It, it, it feels like a film. It, it, the idea was mooted in 2008, just uh, during the production of Rambo, that there'd be an idea that he'd go back home and it would be a Rambo versus the cartels. Mm. At yeah, that, the map Arizona is super close to the Mexican yeah, border. It is, it? Yeah, at, at, that, at that time, it already felt a little bit past that time. Mm. And so I do agree there. It's 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 a movie that maybe it's the biggest criticism you could have of it is it didn't read the temperature of the room. But then I, 
I don't think Stallone really gives a shit about whether it's no, I, 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 I actually disagree with you there. I think he really does. No, but I think if he's got something to say, no, because you can't say that because he said unpopular no, things throughout the Rambo movies. that's fine. I, I think that he, I, but I disagree with that. I don't think he wants to. I, I don't think he will like the fact that people might think that. I, oh, think, no. I, I think that yeah. will upset him. Yeah, but what I'm saying is he's not going to shy away from a difficult subject because. No, no, he's not going to do that. No. The fact that people might think that he hates Mexicans would probably bother him, yeah. Yeah. Seeing as he doesn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it depends on which Stallone you're talking about, because I don't think Frank Stallone gives any fucks. But, um, no, Frank Stallone don't, but Frank Stallone's a prick. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, quite. Um, um, it just, it, it does... That, that, you know, there's a lot of people who've got brothers that are pricks. <laughs> it just, it like I say, it just feels like a film from maybe five years ago um which has been released now and it is it is a super super touchy subject and to be fair there is one nice mexican man in the entire film um the doctor you know like even the her mate who she stays with has almost been infected by mexico and now she's a wrong and and it it yeah i mean it it sat I'll, I'll be honest, it sat uneasy with me, and there's there are multiple shots of the wall in its various forms, and it's like if you're not if you don't have an opinion on that, you probably don't put those shots in there. Um, so, and you know, I'm not going to prescribe what Stallone's actually trying to say. It just you don't put those shots in there for nothing, and I'd be intrigued. Sorry, Stallone doesn't direct it. No, I know, but come on, like he's the he's the creative behind this. Um, is he just walked out? He's getting a drink. I really get a drink. To be fair, the, the 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 bit about the friend, are you referring to that Giselle bird? Yeah, yeah. She well, she was already a bad bad girl in the words of Stallone's living friend. Yeah, um, I know, I know. Like, it's just like she goes down there and then suddenly she's like literally selling out her mate to sex traffickers. I don't know. The but, vibe I got off it was that she was always kind of like that, and they were glad when she moved. Was that? Yeah. She literally says, "I was glad when she left." Well, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I just it that that was that was a fucking reach. I was half expecting Stallone to fucking kill her. To be fair, I mean, he should have killed her. Fucking selling out for Gabrielle and stealing her mother's bracelet. Mm. I mean, maybe not. Should have killed her. I did. I did. No, I think you should kill her. Do you reckon? Yeah. I did say to Mark when we got out of the cinema, it hit me about halfway through the scene in the tunnels that. Like, all the other ones, when he was killing people, it was in, like, war zones and stuff like that. This is just straight-up murder on American soil. Yeah, it's murder. (laughs) Right, but can you imagine, though, when somebody goes round to, what is it? Like, I don't know, the the, the local sheriff goes round to go, Hey, John, we had a lot of explosions coming from your, like, oh. Bloody hell, there's a lot of holes in the floor. John, (laughs) you're out. John, there's a lot of dead Mexicans, mate. (laughs) What's going on? John? One of your horses is out. A lot of holes in your garden. John? The feeling I got off the end of that movie, though, was that 
he won't really bothered whether he lived or died through that. As long as he took all of them. I with think him. he thought he was gonna die. Yeah. So he won't bother about fucking up his ranch, letting his horses go, because he's not really got anything left to live for. So that yeah. shot, that shot of him riding off on the horse at the end of the montage. Is it like a bit like the end of Drive? Like, or where he, where he's effectively dead, and then the car drives away. I don't think. Uh, it, it, just saying. Are, are we? T- so are we thinking that Rambo is dead? Nah. Oh, he did get injured, didn't he? He gets shot twice. Yeah. But he does ride away on the horse at the end. And he was sat, he was rocking himself on his rocking chair. I was I was looking so intently on that rocking chair for him to stop rocking. Mm. <laughs> All the credits up until the end and going, still rocking. Maybe. He's still rocking. Right, maybe. He's still rocking. He sat on his rocking chair for a bit and then gone, fuck, I didn't expect to live through this. Loads of dead Mexicans on my land now and it's fucked. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> I need to get my horses back and then I'm just going to fucking go. Round six opens up with him knocking on Paz Vegas' door and going, could I crash here for a little bit? No, I've got to see what's her name at her sister's. No, because he can't go there. He's just murdered a lot of people. Premeditated as well. I think she'd be alright with that because of of what happened to Gabby. No, but I think the police would come for him. Oh, yeah, true. And then it would turn into First Blood Part 3. Like Whereas she, just like she's got a bit better. Him, <laughs> him in like the Canadian Rockies, just like fucking hiding from the police. I'd watch that. To be fair, and, when this movie finished, I was like, "Fucking hell, that that was really short." I could have sat and watched way more of that. I think I could watch pretty much anything with Stallone playing John Rambo. Yeah, and I think that's it. I I do absolutely agree with Ian on the fact that it's maybe. Not the, it, it's the weakest of the movies, without question. It's the weakest of, of the series. I just don't like films that involve cartels, to be honest. It doesn't really appeal to me. But but I I, I could spend another hour and a half easily with John Rambo. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's, ex, that's exactly where I am with it. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm, I, I'm touching cloth, by the way, sorry. I'm, I'm definitely not shit on it. I, I was always predisposed, definitely not shit. And I did actually say to you, uh, Ian, I think over WhatsApp, saying if it's seven out of ten, I'm happy. I'm really happy with that. I didn't expect much more than seven out of ten. I also don't agree with the idea that's coming out from some <laughs> people that it, it should have been a, a Logan-style think piece. Uh, because my point for that already is. Okay, fine. Have you seen Logan? It's really violent. A child chops somebody's head off and then rolls it out into a group of soldiers. It's really, really violent. But there's no Mexicans, so, you know, it's not as... They try to go to Mexico, though. (laughs) And the child's Mexican. Yeah, for one Mexican in it, chops a man's head off. Well... Clearly, whoever made that movie thinks that all Mexicans are bad as well. Stop being mad at you. <laughs> You're making me sound bad. <laughs> Worse. Um, nice. Bex, where are you at with it? Oh, definitely not. I really loved it. Yeah, cool. I'd see it again tomorrow. The worst hot fucking shit tweet I saw about this film was, right? You mean hot piss? Hot shit. You just want to swear? Yes. I saw about this was... Somebody put out a tweet, and I, I can get it. If Rambo isn't your thing, 
Alright. More of the people reveling in shitting on it, which irked me, which I get it. It's a touchy subject to me because it's so close to my heart, and I get that. Right? Well, somebody put out a tweet saying, oh, Ad Astra is tracking to do better than Last Blood, and this makes me so happy. A victory for small cinema. Small like, cinema. Okay, hang on a minute. I'm very much looking forward to Ad Astra. I think it looks fantastic. It's made by a, a filmmaker that I love, and I I, I like Brad Pitt as, as an actor. So I'm very much looking forward to Ad Astra. So I want to take out, this isn't me knocking Ad Astra, right? It has over double the budget mm. and stars one of the biggest movie stars ever. And it's released by Disney. And it's released by Disney. And it is literally on every bus in the world right now. A fucking stupid tweet. Uh, so I, I, that was the one where I looked at it and went, huh, mid-budget fan service movie, which is what Last Blood is. Yeah. Versus big-budget sci-fi epic. Mm. I'm looking forward to Ad Astra. I have no quality saying that Ad Astra will be a better movie than Last Blood. It it will. Do I wish Last Blood was a better movie? Yes. I absolutely do wish it was a better movie. Am I fine with how good a movie it was? Yes, I am. I honestly did not expect to be coming out of this movie with me liking it more than you did. No. That, that's, that's blown my mind. That's fine. Mm. That's fine. I... I do enjoy violence. Though. You do really enjoy violence, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm. It's the VAR penalty thing, is what it is. <laughs> right. It's a VAR penalty thing, right? Right, okay. So we have VAR in football to eliminate lots of it, right? Useless VAR. Useless VAR, right? So it, 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 it's that thing, right? of my point, which I've kind of forgotten, which I'm getting back to, so I'm filibusting for a sec- few seconds. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, completely forgot about What was I saying? I don't know, you were somehow comparing the Rambo franchise to VAR. Yeah, I am. Yeah, found my point again. Come back around, <laughs> come full circle. Um, it's like a defender leaving a leg out, dangled out, for an attacker to knock into and jump over and get win a penalty, Right. Not a foul. The, 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 the attacker has dived, but the defender has given them a, an opportunity to dive. Am I, from talking to me and thinking about it and going over it, a little bit pissed off that they gave people the opportunity to see what they saw? I don't think it's there. You, know, you said you don't think it's there. I think I think it, people are reaching with it. But I can see that the movie gave them the opportunity to do that. And that, I think that was a misstep with it. And I think that what will happen is that will be the fucking storyline rather than, what is it? And it'll it'll end up being one of those movies that's just, it's just come at the wrong time and it's... I get that. It's gone against but it. But can I, can I just raise one point? Like, he lives in Arizona. Yes. He's lived in Arizona since the first fucking movie. Like, he mentions in the first movie... That he lives in Arizona. He's from Arizona, yeah. He hasn't lived there since he's You know 17. what I mean? His dad's ground, she's in Arizona. And yeah. it always has been. They've not moved it for, the, for logistical convenience. Oh, no, it's always been from Arizona. Right. So what is 
right, he's gone home, but malevolent shit's always drawn to him. Yeah. What is the nearest malevolent shit to Arizona? As a big grouping thing that you can point to. The cartel. Cartels. It is logical that that would be what it would be. Mm. But I, I, agreeing with, with, with Ian and, and tempering it a little bit, it, 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 should de- it should have dealt with it better. I'd like to see this other cut of it that apparently deals with that element better. Mm. Who had final say? Not Stallone, actually, didn't have final say. Well, then, I can't really blame him, really. Uh, no, people will. Um, I, I think it's because I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to speak independently about it rather than just as, 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 as a, a Rambo lover and a Stallone lover. Um, and try. What is it? And so I just that maybe the opportunity in the times we live in, it was unwise to do it how they did it. I, I, I will happily give this another go with a longer cut. I'll say that happily. Hmm. I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens. the long cut will get released. Mm. It is going to be released. They've basically already confirmed that. So why not make that the cinema? Well, in the same way as Midsummer hasn't even come out of cinemas yet before they started releasing a direct cut of it. Mm. Maybe, maybe the, the, I don't know. Maybe the, 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 maybe there was trouble with the way that, what is it? That one, the director wanted to do it, and the studio wanted to do it, and the way Stallone wanted to do it. Who knows? I feel like if, if the other cut deals with that element a bit better, they must have watched it and gone, this probably ain't going to track well, but given the current climate. This other cut would do better, because it explains ten, it better. Maybe it's ten minutes longer, maybe the director or one of the producers didn't want to explain it better. You never know. Mm. So, we've got a couple of questions to finish finish off the show. Go on then. Andrew Jones at Ethan Run. If Rambo had the chance to hunt Mark Rylance, would he win? Or, as time has proved, would Mike, Mark Rylance take the gold at the last minute? I don't think Rambo would hunt Mark Rylance because he'd look at it and go, What's the point? <laughs> He's too nice and mad. Both Mark Rylance and John Rambo. Has, has Mark Rylance drugged? raped and killed his knee. Mark Rylance would. Mark Rylance wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. No. No, he, he he just says would it help quite a lot. And uh, yeah. Has he betrayed him after no. sending him somewhere? No, Mark Rylance betrayed no. anybody. Yeah, I feel like he'd probably just get a beer with him instead. Then. Mark Rylance basically apologised to Sylvester Stallone <laughs> after winning the Academy Award. Uh, what is it? When he met him afterwards. Uh, basically apologised to him, uh, which was, which still as it was really quite nice, quite sweet. Oh. Finally, oh sorry. What's your answer? Uh, no, I agree. He he he's a lovely man, and he wouldn't do it. He is not he has not pushed Rambo too far. Page um, meat is not filled up. No, Rambo may say nothing is over, nothing is over, nothing, but um. But you know, Mark Rylance hasn't started anything, so how how could nothing? I don't know anymore. Rick J. Kidd asks: John Rambo and Schwarzenegger's Dutch from Predator get dropped into a Hunger Games style killing zone. Which one emerges alive? John Rambo. Yeah, as much as I love as much as I love Arnie, 
short of them teaming up like in Battle Royale. Because that could happen. To fight what? The other one. What other one? There's not going to be just the two of them, is there? Yeah. Oh, there's no one else there? No. Oh, they have to, one of them has to die. One of them has to die. Yeah, yeah. Stallone, Stallone would win. Yeah, Rambo would win. Rambo would win. Yeah. I, I think Arnie would maybe blow smoke in his face or something from, it, from his long. big cigar, and then that would fill the rage meter straight away. Didn't Stallone also reference once on Instagram the fact that um, Rambo covers himself in mud and hides, and then what is it, and then Arnie does it in Predator? Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he referenced it on Twitter, on, on, Twitter, on Instagram at one point um, by putting a picture of both of them doing it. Fair enough. Yeah, which one's that in where he covers himself in mud? That looks good. In in the Rambo yeah, series, yeah. Uh, it's Matip. Is it? Yeah. Did point out to Mark that in in this set of films you get you get you get um, numerous neck breaks. Yeah. Nice. You get a roadhouse. Yeah. Pulls his neck out, throw it out. And you get a Kalimar. You do get Kalimar. Yeah. Body bingo. Good. The way he fucking carved his heart out of his chest at the end of this fucking film was amazing. Oh, God, yeah. that, that shows him it. That was brilliant. The fact that he shows him his fucking heart. <laughs> that was amazing. Shut him out. We need someone new, what is it? It's better than definite shit. It's almost fallout. But it's it's the fact it's the fact that he actually says he's going to do it earlier yeah. on as well. I mean, he gave him, he gave him like, he, he, he literally tells him. Yeah, I mean that that sequence. I I I really like the fact that like that guy like he sets off those explosions. That guy kind of like flies out of the barn, and they don't they don't have a fight or anything. It's just Rambo shoots him with those arrows, and then it all fucking it all starts. Like, I like the way that in the end of the day, when it's one versus one, they don't even try. It's just like you know Rambo's gonna fucking destroy him. What's the point? Let's just get to the good stuff. I feel like in that man's position, right, where he's like, follow the lights if you want to live, right, he knows that Rambo's going to be waiting at the other end of that for him. Mm. I'd just fucking cave, cave, uh, cave in on me. The tunnel cave in on me. I'd just, I'd just go, do you know what? Yeah, no. No, but he's bad dickhead. a bad dickhead, so he thinks he can get, still thinks he can get out of it. Mm. You just run. You just run like fuck, though. As soon as you go out of that hole, you just run. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? That would have been really good if they'd just had him like come out of that hole and then just run and then just like face palm yeah. into the door and fall over. I'd love that. I was thinking if he just got blown up, like by a mine. I, I, I feel I, like I, I do love the fact that earlier we'd seen him doing the with the arrow into the the uh, bone arrow into the playing cards. Oh yeah, oh, and, God, and, and that's that. the exact positions that yeah. he's got him yeah. on the wall there. So you think he's just rehoning his bone arrow skills? He's not. He's making sure he gets everything right. Yeah. And then the last one is a heart shot right into the middle of the ace of hearts. Yeah. The foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. I do like the fact, though, that he didn't end up just getting blown up or something like that. Like, his final kill is with his two iconic weapons. He shoots him with his bone arrow and he cuts his heart out with his knife. Shut the fuck up. It's a travesty that this film isn't going to win Oscars for the heart showing of a heart. What other film shows about a heart? I mean, I don't think that I'd get it the Oscar. That should be the Oscars clip. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where's it Oscars? I mean, me sat at home, drunk when it comes out, or what is it? <laughs> <laughs> the fact 
though that as well like because obviously like carving someone's chest open is obviously going to be a bit of effort but like in action movies they always a bit of effort they always make (laughs) but they always make things that should like be really hard like stabbing someone's probably not as easy as they make it out to be (laughs) um but like it shows him putting in like proper dragging it down both hands yeah yeah it's so fucking it's amazing. Yeah. I, I still, I still think that, uh, that that's great. The double machete to the face bit is is it is it, chef kiss. It, 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 it's a wonderful shot of the side of it. Yeah. 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 It's like they've gone it's double machete in the face. What's the best angle to shoot this from? Side. Side. <laughs> side. I, I want it like I want it to basically be like fucking fruit ninja with two people playing. <gasps> that is what it is. Yeah. So violent. So very violent. He really stabbed that man in the head like he's dug himself that hole and put his shaft and pole there ready. Everything is planned. Yeah. And then he just like chops that man's legs off yeah. at ankle level. This riding movie at Disney World, is it? <laughs> uh, okay, so let's move on to some what we've been watching. Jordan McGrath, what have you been watching? Do you know what? One film in particular, I mean, I have watched the two films that we're doing for our podcast, and we believe we just recorded that, so I won't go into And what those. is the name of that podcast, Jordan McGrath? It is the His Film, Her Movie podcast, so if you would be so kind to go download that, give it a listen, subscribe, do all that sort of lovely stuff that you listeners do, it's a podcast with me and my better half where we take specific topics both choose a movie, normally very different movies, and discuss them. So this week, uh, we're doing Proud Cumbrian. So we're both from Cumbria, so we had to pick a film that was linked to Cumbria. So Lauren picked With Neil and I, and I picked Brief Encounter, um, the 1945 David Lean movie. But So I, I, I watched those, but the one film that I want to talk about mainly is we are very good family members, and we babysat for our well lauren's uncle's kids on friday um so we watched uh, with a how old is she now eight nine year old matilda nice uh, first time i've seen this in a long time maybe 15 maybe even actually don't maybe 20 years and that movie is brilliant and not only, I mean, I, I remember having a good time with it as as a kid, but why didn't Danny DeVito make more movies? Because it is incredibly well directed, and the way he handles the tone of it and the playfulness of that character and of that story, it's handled so well. And it, the BFGs there, even the animated, but this probably is the best Rodal adaptation out there. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I watched um, I watched Matilda with Lottie a few months back, and she was into it. And, and getting her to watch a film at home is um, hard work, uh, especially a live action one. And she she really got into it. It's um, it's a very sweet film. It's well directed. It, it just it's got its heart in the right place. And I don't know, I I wonder if Danny DeVito is like Sylvester Stallone, or it's just like shit. It's just too much work going up behind the camera as well. Maybe so, but like he he's great in it. Um, mm. in there's a sequence, there's a sequence, but like halfway through when Matilda and oh, Miss Miss Honey break into 
I'm forgetting the characters, his house, um, and where the they're both in separate directions and uh, the headmistress is running from side to side. And the way they deal that and like some of the cinematography and just how they amp up that suspense, it's brilliant. It's so much fun to watch. Um, even though the the actress, I'm, I'm forgetting her name as well, the, the young actress, what's her name? Mara Wilson. Mara Wilson. Now, when I used to watch, I used to think she was a really, really good actress as a child. She really isn't. And I understand why maybe she chose a career away from acting. I can tell you why Danny DeVito doesn't make more movies as a director. He hasn't, had a, he hasn't had a hit since War of the Roses. Maybe, yeah. I'm trying to think, what's the last film he did direct? Was it this? No, no, actually, he did Death to Smoochie. Uh, oh, I like Death to Smoochie a lot. Death to Smoochie's fucking great, mm. but Death to Smoochie cost $50 million and made eight. And he made uh, Duplex, the uh, Drew Barrymore and um, Ben Stiller movie, which actually is quite funny, actually, to be honest. Like, I enjoyed it. But again, cost $40 million and made $19 million. I guess he's probably just happy with his little um, It's Always Sunny paycheck. He's been doing that for the last, what? 13 years and he is brilliant in it but yeah but other than that i mean i said we watched with neil and i and brief encounter which are both classics in the room right um mm. and if you want to listen to more about that listen to listen to the, the podcast um the only thing i watched other than that and i won't break your rule but netflix has released and it's kind of interesting this thing called criminal and it, oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. is TV, but I didn't realise that they've released four different versions of it in four languages and with different cast. Yeah, because yeah, because I noticed it's Criminal UK. I was wondering what that was about. So 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 there's Criminal UK, there's Criminal Germany, Criminal France, and Kim Criminal Spain. Now I'm not sure if these are the same stories with different casts. Because I watched the first two of the UK, which are really good, by the way, um, completely different, like sort of uh, single stories, 40, like 45 minutes long. They're really good. David Tennant is in the first one, and Haley Atwell is in the second. So I would love to see. I might check that out tonight, actually, to see if they are just the same story but in different languages and different casts, because that's kind of interesting to release it like that, um, especially for a, 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 a worldwide. Is it? Yeah, it's same same um, same writer um, <laughs> same writers on all of them. Criminal Germany, Criminal France, Criminal Spain, Criminal UK. Fair play. I mean, to to make four of the same thing is um, it's it, understanding all, your audience. All three episodes, all yeah, they're all the same writers. They're the same. It's the same thing in just three different languages. It says something about how much streaming video that there is that that basically goes unnoticed the fact that you've got four simultaneous series in four different languages with four completely different casts launching yeah. on the same day and it's just just another fucking netflix release and it's yeah. odd it's so odd how it's shifted over the last few years and that's the reason why i brought it up it's just it's it's netflix oh, i think understanding wow. the market incredibly oh, wow, well so, they're oh. all directed by a guy called Jim Field Smith, who actually also the creator and wrote it. But 
and he directs all of them. But each one, with the exception of the English one, the UK one, uh, so the Spain, um, France and Germany, has a co-director who is obviously German, French and Spanish on it as well. Ah, okay. So it's like a he might be maybe a consultant director in a way. Yes, yes. So that's that's really quite interesting like that. And again, if you have forty-five minutes, well, it'll be just over through two two and a bit hours to watch. The first two episodes are really really interesting. It's all set in a interrogation room, well, two rooms. You got the room on the other or the other side of the mirror, the interrogation room. So it's it's sort of like a a one-act play um, when the police are interrogating a suspect, and yeah, it's, it's quite it's quite interesting. Nice, nice, Mark. Oh, what have you been watching? So, I uh, in 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 a continuing theme of Mark rewatches a shit film uh, that nobody else has rewatched. Uh, I rewatched the Ron Howard movie, The Dilemma. Uh, that's on netflix isn't it it is on netflix uh, yeah, it keeps on coming up on my netflix i'd made something to eat um and i needed to choose something quickly because i'd done that stupid thing of making myself something to eat for lunch then not picking a film to watch beforehand and when oh it's getting cold it's getting cold ah uh, fuck it yeah that'll do um it's so has anyone else seen the dilemma? Ian, I think you've seen it, haven't you? I haven't. I actually think I have back in the day, yeah. Yeah. So it's Vince Vaughn, don't spend one Howard, amazingly. Uh, it's Vince Vaughn and Kevin James, who, of course, Vince Vaughn and Kevin James. So Kevin James is married to Winona Ryder, of course. Uh, <laughs> and Vince Vaughn is dating Jennifer Connolly, of course. Um and they are partners uh, in a, they build, essentially, they're trying to, they're, they're building a technology that will make a muscle car sound like a muscle car and feel like a muscle car, but it will be an electric car. And they're currently trying to sell that to Dodge. Uh, Kevin James is the brains behind it, of course, out of those two. And Vince Vaughn is the salesman. And the dilemma starts when Vince Vaughn sees Winona Ryder essentially cheating on uh, Kevin James with Channing Tatum, <laughs> which is, he's about the only amusing thing in it. Um, yeah, it's, it's fine. And I, it, it got me through eating my lunch, but I did at the end of it go, I could have watched an awful lot of other things other than that again. Uh, I've only got a couple more, but I've got one that I think that overlaps with Ian's, so I'll, I'll save that one for last. Um, we watched Avengers Endgame. Um, and what I'll say there is all the bits that bothered me the first time I watched it didn't bother me this time, which was nice. Except a lot of other things bothered me, which was not nice. Um, yeah, you rewatched Avengers Endgame recently, didn't you? I did indeed, yeah. Great. You liked it more, didn't you, on rewatch? I did. Yeah. Uh, was, I went the other way. Um, so I went from being four, four and a half stars to three and a half stars on it. Um, it felt really long. 
felt like I was watching a three-hour movie. Uh, maybe I just watched it again too quickly. Uh, it's I felt it overplayed the uh, levity a little bit too much, and it underplayed the dramatic moments a little bit too much. I didn't like the end battle scene when I watched it the first time, whereas I fucking loved it this time. Um, I really got on board with that. I, the greatest hits moment in the middle of it bothered me a lot more this time. Um, and it's it it's mental that because I think Brie Larson filmed this before Captain Marvel, didn't she? Well, I'm not sure. Uh huh. I'm I'm sure that I read that somewhere that, that Brie Larson filmed Endgame before her bits. Yeah, yeah, before, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. They did. What is it? Yeah. Um, you can really tell that. <laughs> to be honest, the second watch, like, yeah, you can tell that because that's a completely different fucking character to the one in the movie that's before this, but was filmed after this. Um. It's. I, it, when I'm talking about it more now, I am thinking that, that my three and a half needs to go back up to a four because it's still a hell of an achievement. This movie, and I am very glad that this is the movie that is the the biggest movie ever made because mm. it absolutely 100% deserves to be. Because if you just said at the start of Iron Man, or oh, in 11 years' time you're going to have this. And do you know what? It's going to be good. You'd have gone, no, it won't. <laughs> it just won't. And it is. It is really good. It's just, it's not as good as Infinity War. Which I know you shouldn't say, that it, isn't, it shouldn't be a, a negative against it because it's a different movie. But it's not as good as Infinity War. <laughs> and that's my, that I think that is my underlying issue. It, it's just, just not as good as that. Fair um, enough. Yeah, the thing is, I don't know, I, I see it on kind of a part. I mean, there is parts of Endgame which, I mean, I really enjoy, and there's parts which I thought of the whole time travel part in the centre. I mean, I've seen it again since the cinema. It does lose a little bit for me, but like that, that final battle is not even just the final battle, but the battle that leads up to it, the, the fight between... Captain America and Thanos and it's people picking stuff out like I remember watching it a second time around and it's it's for example when pick when Thor fights Thanos every blow that he tries to land he aims for the head you yeah, can yeah, see yeah. that and it's tiny little things that you think like sort of inconsequential and you don't realise until somebody points it out of you to you and they're they're there. I, I love that and the fact that you've got some people who are delivering a a labour of love but on this massive huge scale. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I'd say yes, me in it. <laughs> uh, so with two more, and we're stepping one of the crosses with Ian. In fact, I'm sure it does. Uh, I rewatched The Departed. Um, actually, do you know what? You were partially responsible for this, uh, job. Probably, yeah. Yeah, because you were mentioned because of Infernal Affairs. I haven't got that that um, episode yet. Uh, 
So, because uh, I want to re- rewatch Infernal Affairs before I listen to that. Um, but I, then I got a hankering to rewatch The Departed. Um, which is still a movie that I I hold higher than most people seem to to hold it. Because I I whenever people say, oh, it, it's good, but it's a shame that that's the one that he won the Oscar for. And I was like, no, it's not. It's not. It's a fucking great movie. It, <laughs> It, 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 it's a fucking cracking movie. The thing is, it, 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 I completely agree. It is a cracking movie, but I also still think he should have won two Oscars by then. He should have won, well, won, it, for, it, won for, for Agent Bull and one for Goodfellas. He should he he should have won them, but it's not a shame that he won it for this. Is what I'm meaning. He should have. Yeah. He should have won. That that's more what I'm meaning is. It, yeah, we all know he should have had more Academy Awards, but it's like, do you know what though? This he does deserve this. He's not getting it the time served for this. And I like the fact that essentially what Scorsese made here is a really fucking nasty little movie that happens to star massive fucking stars. <laughs> uh, and it's the last, I think it's the last great um, Jack Nicholson movie. Uh, it's the almost like the introduction into you know, um, DiCaprio had done uh, Gangs of New York previously with Scorsese, but I think it was almost the introduction of DiCaprio, the DiCaprio we know now, uh, being the level that he's at now, uh, which is it's fucking great. It's the last time I think Ray Winston did something that was great. Uh, now he's just a weird floating head or in a bar guy for um, Bet365 and it's almost become a parody of himself. Um but yeah, I, 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 I really, really enjoyed The Departed. And it's one of those that I I think is unfairly maligned because people will compare it to movies that were made 30 years before. And I completely agree. And I think, I mean, I brought the question up after watching Infernal Affairs um, for the podcast and just a bit of things like we, we, we covered undercover movies. So I chose Infernal Affairs, Lauren chose Miss Congeniality. So just the, the, the differences between the genres. But what I like about Infernal Affairs and what maybe why I think I like it better is it's Infernal Affairs is the same story, but it takes a hundred minutes to tell it not 145 minutes to tell it mm. um and infernal affairs like for example you the opening sequence the the title credits actually is about half hour of the first um, of the departed so you actually get to where you're going so much quicker and i think it's a little bit more edgier as well because the the totally young character in, in infernal affairs you actually have an idea of what has he actually got too far because he's 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 taking drugs and he's being a little bit aloof of uh, is he a bad guy is he a good guy uh, but I mean the Departed is a cracking cracking movie and everybody in that movie is sort of on top game as well. Mm, exactly. It's and also basically you've got Alec Baldwin playing Alec Baldwin, which is great. <laughs> And you've got Mark Wahlberg knocking out of the park. Yeah, he's fucking great in that. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 but then again, like um, Becky was saying to me last night, said after we were talking about Ashley, she's like, you put your bias because it's Scorsese. It's like, yeah, yeah, and I, I will freely admit that, um, but fuck it. Um, and then the last one I've got is, uh, I think I, cro- I, I know I crossed over you, Ian. I watched Between Two Ferns, the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, 
Um, literally, I watched it because you said it was. It, it, it had some amazingly funny bits in it. Yep. What what, we, what were the funny bits that you was doing? And I'll see if we cross over with that with how, how how amusing we found bits of it. The interviews. The interviews are fucking great. <laughs> like. I just, on a scale of one to a hundred, how many words do you know? <laughs> <laughs> the whole Benedict Cumberbatch one is the is the I think is the highlight. Yeah, I mean, and just yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it, it, the thing is, it's barely a film. It's it barely a film. I mean, there, there is like no narrative whatsoever. And yet, it's well, just I. It's so fucking funny. Yeah, to give the idea, the, the idea is that uh, he's got to his studio has essentially burnt down or it's been flooded and it's blown up or whatever. Um, and he's so, but Will Ferrell tells him that he will get him a network. <laughs> what is it? Sure, if he delivers ten episodes by like nine a.m. Tuesday, which is like five days, ten days away, I think, isn't it? Um, yeah. And yeah, so they have to go on the, on the road to, to to get to that, but that's it. I love that Will Ferrell is playing a prick version of himself. The the coked up Will Ferrell, like that first one where it's just like, you know, and people doing coke, I hate that. And it's like, and he's just chatting. It's like, coke? Did, did someone say coke? You know, just like kind of like looking up with fucking like his ears up almost. It, uh, yeah. I, well, apparently, the you know the interview questions? Mm. Uh, apparently, Zach, I was reading this, Zach Galifianakis didn't know the interview questions. Uh before he asks them, he literally gets them in front of him and then asks them from there. Uh, and then I was like, I, remember, I read that before I watched the film, I was like, that can't be fucking true. And then when you watch the outtakes, you go, oh no, it is true. It can't yeah. be fucking true. <laughs> yeah, like every now and then he has trouble reading them, doesn't he? And it, <laughs> he just bursts out laughing. But who, who's the person who reacts and is just like, I don't know how you do this? <laughs> is, it, uh, is it Josh Hart? John Hamm, yeah, John, John Hamm. Yeah. Yeah, I think Paul it, Rudd who does that one. No, it, no, because Paul Rudd is Paul like Rudd properly playing into it. Yeah, I, I think it's John Hamm when he, when, yeah, when he says um, the um, Bradley Cooper was nominated. Bradley Cooper wrote, starred in, directed, and produced um, A Star Is Born. Uh, do you think this will give any more handsome idiots? <laughs> Ideas. Mm. <laughs> the whole Peter Dinklage scene sequence. Yeah, I mean the the Peter Dinklage sequence. It just like the, oh, just I know. I it just it's too, the oh fuck, it's too funny. I just it, I think it's the funniest fucking film of the year. I honestly do like. The amount of times I laughed watching that film, and yet it's so barely qualifies as a fucking film. It's it it's amazing, and I've been watching a lot of Between Two Ferns on YouTube, and the Obama one is fucking next level. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I've seen quite a lot of episodes of Between Two Ferns, and I will watch this movie. But is it just extended versions of the of the interviews? Because if it I'm, is, then it no. No. no there, there, there's a, there, there is a story to it. It's not all the interviews. I mean, like it's probably over. Like, like, half of it is not, at least. But just when the, when the interviews are there, they are amazing. Yeah. There's there's an Oscar one be, of between two thrones where um, he's interviewing Jennifer. Oh, what's her name? Christ, I'm terrible with names today. Jennifer Lawrence. It's, it's so good, and then Anne Hathaway plays a drunk. Honestly, I mm. so that, that 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 TV show when it's on, it, it's absolutely on. Yeah, I need to uh, I need to watch some more. I've only I've only watched a few, but I need I think I need to do some more. It yeah, I mean so Mark, I mean did you did you find it as funny as I obviously did? I did, yeah. Um, I, I was, I, I had a great time with it, yeah. Um, yeah. Like you say, it's barely a movie. Had I got to the cinema to see it, I'd be pissed off. Uh, but um, yeah, seeing it like seeing it on, on Netflix on a on a, a Tuesday night, on a Monday night, uh, was was fun. Yeah, it's that level. It's just, it's very, very funny. Sweet. Mark, so that was it, mate, yeah? That's it, mate, that's it, yeah. Okay, so um, I've actually only got um, uh, a, a few because obviously we did... Um, actually, I've only got a couple left um, after Rambo's and Ad Astra. So uh, I watched Wild Rose. This is uh, the uh, Jesse Buckley starring film that um, had a fair bit of attention upon cinema release a few months back. Um, and, yeah... Um, didn't connect with me the way I thought way I was kind of hoping it was going to, to be honest, given all the positive word. Um, basically she plays a, uh, a Glaswegian um, aspiring country singer who has just got out of jail and she wants to go to Nashville to start a career, but she's also got two kids being looked after by her mother played by Judy Walters. And it's about her trying to kind of embrace her musical side while also getting to know her kids um and i mean jesse buckley is great um julie walters is great sophie okonedo is great but i couldn't really connect with the story it's i even by the end of the film i never really got a sense of whether she actually went to prison legitimately or not and as a result i I wasn't too sure what I was really how happy I was supposed to feel by by the film's resolution. It it, it does a couple of things in the third act which are interesting, but I just I I didn't connect with her. Um and I never got why she was into country either cuz she's this woman from Glasgow who's just been let out of jail for some sort of drugs related offense but she really likes country and there's like one scene where she explains why she likes country but that was about it i just i didn't quite get it she doesn't like have any friends in the in in the film we're into the same thing or you know she sings these songs and at the end she writes a song and i just 
I didn't get why. I didn't get how. Um, and it's all anchored on Jesse Buckley being really, really good. Um, and I think the the la- the end song, I think it was written by Mary Steenburgen, I want to say. Right. Which is just the most random thing. But it's this, like, emotional thing. Well, she is, she, is it, was it written for the film or is it the cover of one of her songs? I think it's written, I want to say it's written for the film. Hang about, I'd have to look now. I'll check. It could just be a cover of one of her songs, if you No, I mean, it's literally called Glasgow, No Place Like Home. Yeah. So, yeah, they have written for the, so it was written for the thing, wasn't it? Okay, and I've got a. Jesse Buckley and Mary Steenburgen discuss the. Yeah, all right, yeah, no. Totally written for the film. Yeah, fair enough. Um. Yeah, no. Um, so, yeah, it, it just it's fine. Um, but it's one of those ones where I think people maybe saw it at festivals and went a little bit too nuts about it. And maybe one or two of their friends worked on it or something like that. And then it, it kind of like got signal boosted by that. I don't know. It's it, it's a good film, but shit, it's very, very far from like best of the year kind of fair. Um, and speaking of good film, which is very, very far from best of the year affair, Booksmart. (laughs) Booksmart is fine. Booksmart is funny. Booksmart has the most fucking teeth itchingly annoying first 20 minutes of a film I've seen this year. Booksmart is a film which seems to be made entirely by someone who only knows kids in L.A. (laughs) Um, it it's yeah. It, I had a good I had a good few laughs with it, but the way it was taken to heart by people and it's like it's a classic for the ages. No, it's a classic for the ages. To be fair, in the kind of way I think Superbad is a classic for the ages. In so much as you're going to watch this in five years and it will age horribly. It it it. it I just. Caitlin Diva and Beanie Feldstein are really good together. Uh, Jason Sudeikis actually does a, a really good job in in a supporting role. But yeah, I I was really really drunk when I watched it. It was the day before Ad Astra. I was hammered. Well, I I, I enjoyed Book Spart. I mean, I didn't have a like. It's not a five star movie. It's a, it, it's a four star movie straight like down the line. But yeah, it's, it's got some good laughs. It's got some interesting stuff going on regarding like the revelation between how these girls have isolated themselves, thinking that they're going to have a better life, whereas these other people have literally pissed up a wall, but are just getting the same futures as them. It's sort of, I think I find that quite different. But other than that, it's it's a team, it's a team comedy. And that that is all it really is, but it it works well as that. I just the the sheer it is a fucking injustice that enough not enough people have seen Booksmart. 
How dare they? Fuck the audiences. It's a disgrace. Like all that stuff that was coming out on its opening weekend. It it just I just don't see it. I don't see it. It's a good film. Cost six million dollars, made twenty five. Olivia Wilde will be fine. Olivia Wilde's fine before it before she started even becoming an actress, writer, or anything like that. I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's great that she directed a film. Yep. Like it, it, it's brilliant, but oh man. It's you leading the way on this one. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I'm just, oh man, just. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, Twitter questions. Question, right. Our question for you is pick a genre, a star, a filmmaker, and we will pick the plot for you on this week's show. So, George, why don't you tell us the one you just told us on Twitter six hours ago? <laughs> George, you went for horror, Adam Driver, Spike Jones. Did you have an idea that you wanted to pitch, or did you have, <laughs> do you want me to try and work one out in this one? Exactly that. Um, I just picked two, three sort of random people in a genre which I would never think that director would ever make. So, entertain me. Right, I want. I, I've got this then. I think it's a cabin in the woods style movie, but without all like the bits. It literally is just a cabin in the woods where Adam Driver has gone to kind of to write his first movie, and that's where he's gone to write his first movie. But as he's writing the movie and he's gone to the cabin, he's thinking, I'm going to write, write a horror movie. It's like set in a cabin and all this. Like, the movie starts to come to life around him. Nice. I'd, wa- I'd watch that. I'd watch that. Yep. Uh, I forgot to talk about War Dogs. You did forget to talk about War Dogs. And I shouldn't forget to talk about War Dogs. War Dogs is really good. Mark is right. I am right. Thank you. And it's got an amazing laugh, doesn't it? It has an amazing laugh. Yeah. Fucking brilliant. Um, I will say, Miles Teller and Anna de Armas is almost as bad a coupling as Winona Ryder and um, Let's what's his name? Anna de Armas and, and, and any living human. Yeah. <laughs> She's right. been playing fucking Marilyn Monroe in Blonde. Is she really? You fucking is, mate. Yeah, yeah, Andrew Dominic film. Yes. Jesus fucking Christ. I will no, have I a heart you, I will have a heart attack watching that film, Mark. My erection still hasn't gone down since I heard about it. Um, Ian, have you got one for horror, Adam Driver and Spike Jones? Um, as in the concept? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I want a Merchant Ivory... Pardon me, film directed by John Carpenter, starring um oh shit, I fucking had it earlier on Sam Elliott. I'd watch the shit out of that. And Elizabeth Olsen. I <laughs> want it to be the most fucking problematic film <laughs> you've ever seen in your life. I'd watch the shit out of that. Uh, Rick Kidd gave us crime epic Amy Adams, Ridley Scott. Well, who is that, sorry? Uh, Rick Kidd, uh, give us Crime Epic, starring Amy Adams and directed by Ridley Scott. 
Just do Body of Lies without uh, Amy Adams in the lead <laughs> yeah, character role. That's what I, that, that, I was going to say American Gangster, but instead of Denzel, have Amy Adams. Amy Adams, oh yeah, man. Again, that'd work. Let's fucking go. Uh, Noel, Western, Sam Rockwell, Neville Dean and Taylor. So, Jonah Hex 2. My, my one for that would be that um, Sam Rockwell, it's a reverse crank. Sam Rockwell can't dance. He's not allowed to dance. And so for the entire movie, the movie's happening around him and he's not allowed to dance. And then all of a sudden he goes, nah, it's not worth it. And just starts dancing and explodes at the end. That's very good. Uh, Andrew Jones. Horror, Samantha Morton, Paul W.S. Anderson. Samantha who? Morton. Samantha Morton. Oh, right, okay. Oh. Can we just have Event Horizon, but Samantha Morton plays all of the characters? Oh, I'm trying to think there. <laughs> Is Event Horizon Paul W.S. Anderson's only good movie, though? Resident Evil is fine. Resident Evil is fine, yeah. The first Resident Evil is decent. <laughs> While Jordan, I think of that, I will do our actual only question of the week as well. Into what existing so Rick, Rick J.K. of course. Uh, into what existing thoughtful drama would you introduce an incongruous element like Ad Astra's moon pirates and space and killer space monkeys? And what element would it be, and when in the narrative? A grounded whale motion captured by Spike Lee. (laughs) In what film? Casablanca. Casablanca. Literally, as she's about to get on the plane, a fucking grounded whale is just in the background and it's been broadcast by Spike Lee. So it's got the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like fucking shark, like fucking shark tail. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do another one. I want to do another one. I'm sorry. Do it. You can do mine. Go I have on. no idea. Go on. Can we have Rocket Raccoon in the background of the orgy scene in Eyes Wide Shut? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's just making—he's just—you just hear him in the background making random comments, but you can't <laughs> quite hear them. You can just hear that it's him. Exactly. Mine, mine was, uh, you know, the the big argument scene in Revolutionary Road. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. But in the background, right, is just their cat that's never been mentioned. But every time you get the, the shot at where Kate Winslet's shouting back at um, Leonardo DiCaprio, the cat's just in the background, just fucking just going to town on licking its own balls with its leg up, <laughs> like that. And so that you know, every time DiCaprio's responding to it, all he can see is the cat in the background cleaning its balls. Nice. Because there's no way he can't go. I'm sorry, I can't take this round more seriously now because Fluffles is just licking his nards. 
that was all of our questions this week. Very good. Superb. So that was episode 317 of a fine episode of Film Bastards. Thank you very much to Jordan for joining us. And you can listen to him and Lauren on his film, Her Movie. And um, we probably won't have Jordan on again uh, pre-nuptials. So uh, don't have a heart attack on the wedding night, Jordan. I will try not to. Or before it. I think before it will be even worse. Um, yeah, probably yeah, won't, probably, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the fact that we both thought about that for so long. It'll be worse for Lauren, because she wouldn't get half my money. Oh, that's true. That was dark. Um, so, um, congrats to George. When we're um, when we're there for the wedding, I don't think George's gonna have the time to do any recording and whatnot. So we'll we'll, we'll see we'll see George in the future. But uh, all the best, bud. Um, great couple. It's uh, it, it lovely. Um, Mark, we'll yes. see you next time. We'll be yes. reviewing Ready or Not. Yes. Um, we haven't done the Patreon pick, and frankly. I'm going to say we need more patron picks. We've only got a couple patrons, please. Come on. We need 11. Come on. I think I want to stick with mine of um, investigation of a citizen above suspicion. So that's mine. How long is it, George? It's around about, let's have a look. I have IMDB open right now. It is one hour, 55 minutes. I'm not going to get that to that before Sunday, because otherwise I'd just say you could push in the queue. So never mind. Patrons, go. We'll include Jordan in the mix for um, next week. To be fair, we're recording on Sunday for uh, next show, aren't we, Mark? Is that right? It is, yeah. I'm, I'm peeing. Okay, fantastic. Mark's peeing. Um, so... I also need a week, so I'm going to say goodnight. We'll be back with Ready or Not next week. Um, I am basically, while Donna and Lottie are, are away, I'm basically either in work or watching films. So I'm going to have a bunch of shit to talk about. I'm seeing The Kitchen tomorrow before it seems to disappear from UK screens after a week. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and thank you, everyone, and have a good one. Good night. Thank you, guys. Good night.